Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Donnelly, who has been extradited. Uh, we, we have, folks, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. He's uh, he, he has been captured. He has been transported to an American prison. He is reporting in live from an American prison. Ryan, how are they treating you out there? Well, Patrick, uh, our our boys in blue brought me back to finally take care of the liberal Florida media. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm back in the in you know a, a state to be named later, uh, back in a United State of America. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here to ununite it. Uh, I'm here to sow dissent, uh, disruption, uh, fear, discord, uh, and a whole lot of other fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, simply put, go Bucks. That's right. Yeah, the boys in blue, the bucket problem guys, they brought you back. They they wrangled you, mm-hmm. they brought you home. Um and uh, yeah, we are certainly excited to to so we're going to sew yeah. all sorts of To Folks, clarify when I when I said our boys in blue, I I did mean uh the jag. I, I meant like the army lawyers. I I have been brought back by mm-hmm. uh, uh several uh, armed forces lawyers. And people are saying and, that you that you did cut a deal with the United States government. Is that true? Well, look, like they told me if I started posting like every other lawyer on the internet and I was just like saying like, oh, okay, freaking hell site. And um, looks like we're having a normal one today. Yeah. And uh, okay, gee, like, thanks a lot. Uh, in response to like the worst news you ever heard in your entire life, uh, <laughs> then I, I would be, I would be set free. And I mean, uh, to me, it seems like a simple thing. Yeah. Also, have you seen that? Have you seen that tweet? You know what I'm referring the the firing squad tweet no <laughs> um let me see if i can find this live in the pod <laughs> they, see they, how fast i can do the, this. the government allowed <laughs> they they agreed to let you come back to america if they could remove all emojis except for the thread emoji from your phone um and now every post <laughs> that you do has to have the thread emoji and the one slash x question mark uh at the end of it <laughs> It's a the tweet that I reference it is by a friend of the show, Mr. Isis. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> 2019 tweet. Uh, it's me lining up all the epic lawyer accounts, treating them one by one. Instead of running away, they just keep saying stuff like Twitter.com, baby. Love to see it. This is good to me. <laughs> oh man this is see this is especially damaging for us as we as we return from a, a a week off uh because i i actually have the advanced data every person who listened to this show is a lawyer who is epic on twitter which is really unfortunate that they were in the firing line but um we yeah, we're excited well, because there will always be more lawyers to put in the firing line everybody everybody knows that and and there's always more bullets too that's right you never run out the two two things you never run out of is is bullets and lawyers <laughs> <laughs> um ryan we've got some college football to talk about today despite this this intros uh maybe indicating that we don't we have uh some national news that truly we could not care less about uh but we are going to talk about to give you all that that red meat that you so crave um and to deliver the takes that I know everybody has been waiting to hear. Uh, And then we're going to talk about the thing that actually matters, which is the Sunbelt preview. We've got five tiers. We've got them based on my uh, G5 preview series over at the Outside Zone on Sunbelt. Let me tell you, by the time I'm done with you, you're going to have a lot more than five at the end of this show. Okay. Uh. (laughs) We're going to have 10 tiers. We're going to have 14 tiers for our our beautiful boaters out in the Sunbelt. Um, Ryan, what, do you want do you want to talk a little bit national news here? Do you want to do you want to do the uh, the standard issue college football show thing and talk about Jordan Addison? 
Yeah, well, look, I mean, the story itself is important. Obviously, it has huge implications for college football and what we can expect really from the future of the sport. But I think the part that people aren't talking about enough is just like how damaging it was to the pit football program and the trust and sanctity of the institution for Andrew Filippone to link this before <laughs> before he actually joined uh, the transfer portal. <laughs> how could anybody believe in the institution of pit football anymore? What a grave injustice. I mean, it's frankly disgusting. It's the worst part about this news, dude. It's I don't know how uh, I'm going to believe in pit football anymore now that I've seen this happen that 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 that, that an outsider who has, you know, he he has so much to benefit from reporting this early from leaking this would would do so. It's it's really I thought people I I, I thought that that pit football was a was an institution that people still respected, but I guess I was wrong. Mm, yeah, no. <laughs> uh I don't know the whole here, here's what I want to say. I'm just fucking, I don't, I, it's NIL, man. NIL and transfer portal shit. Like people are just going to make us talk about it forever until they like the people are just going to whine and whine and whine about it until they get a, a solution. And I don't know, like, yeah, it sucks, but what sport doesn't have tampering? Like, like what is the sport where this doesn't happen? And like where you have free player movement or any kind of player movement and I, I mean, like, unless your answer is to ban player movement or ban players from compensating off their likeness, then this is inevitable. Like, it, there's nothing to be done about it. it they, they can get mad and complain all they want, but, like, it's just what's going to happen. I, I don't know. There's nothing to get mad about. It's just that's sports, man. Yeah, and it's it's sort of that. That's sort of where I come down on is, like, one, I, I, I don't really care. I, I, I feel bad, I guess, for Pitt, but also – um, Pitt took Akron's best receiver like two months ago, and everybody was just cool. Everybody's fine. I don't. I don't really know why. Yeah. What's it fucking matter? Yeah, they they're gonna have a good receiver again. They lost their position coach and and quarterback and offensive coordinator. This isn't doesn't it, seem that uncommon. Like that's a lot. Yeah, to it's lose. crazy. Like obviously the reason he's doing it is not because of those things. Like I, I mean the fact that he like recommitted to the score or whatever. Like despite sure. those rumors like a month ago, then did this is probably that's probably why they're so angry. But like. Who get who gives a shit? It's not my problem. Like, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, like, you know, the tough answer is like the the tough. I, I guess not even the answer. Just the, the truth of the matter is like, yeah, the big programs are gonna do this. They always do this. This is they have literally always done this. It has looked different. It has not been like this specifically. But yeah, that's what that's what they do. That's why they're the blue bloods. It's it's like. Don't root for them, you know. Be excited when when a team that isn't a blue blood is really good. Be excited when a team that isn't a blue blood produces a really good player. I promise Pitt will produce more really good players. Teams on Pitt's level will produce more really good players. This is not like, it's you know, it stinks for Pitt. It's it's uh, you know, I I'm as people I think know a pretty strong proponent of G five teams. I've seen a lot of them lose a lot of really good players to power five programs to major programs but it's also they go out and get more they go out and get guys who were at these who were at these programs and went down they go out and get fcs guys it's not really i don't know it's really not that big of a deal i don't know like i i do know why people are so freaked out about it. it's because it drives clicks and interest and that's really the thing that you know drives all of this but it's really not that big of a deal it's just it's a different 
cycle of the same thing. It's this is it's just recruiting, but there's more of it. It's really not. Yeah, and and, and like also all the people freaking out about it are either like you know Gen Xers or like late millennials who or or straight up boomers who like still have this conception of the world like they have any kind of power in it or like their opinions or their posting is going to like result in some change, which just isn't true, right? Like yeah. it doesn't like it doesn't really matter what we think or what our feelings are or. Uh, what what is right or wrong for the sport it just doesn't really it, none, none of it has any influence whatsoever it's just like the tides of history are going to change and then who gives a shit like like I, i'm still gonna watch the sport right like you're still gonna eat the slop like you're you're yeah. the same pig as the rest <laughs> of us like, what's the use of getting mad like you can't change it your opinion will register with no one meaningful uh and what's gonna happen is gonna happen anyway so so be it it's, it's it was so funny earlier too seeing I don't know if you saw this report but there was a, a Sports Illustrated report which is is very funny as the first part that Sports Illustrated is the one reporting this that the uh, the NCAA or whatever it is is, is uh, official is, Sports Illustrated vacation reports yeah <laughs> yeah they they they're reporting that the NCAA is going to establish a whole bunch of rules around this stuff it's like what a perfect pairing of outlet and um you know ruling body to be <laughs> to be doling out this news just like feckless on both no power whatsoever completely inept does not have any sort of influence anymore reporting that the thing that doesn't have any influence or power anymore is going to do something really big about this yeah i'm sure i'm sure it's going to yeah the ncaa (laughs) is going to do something really big about this one yeah definitely any day now any day now i don't know we're like a a couple months away from Stu mandel hosting like pastel colored infographics to his twitter uh about about how we need to save college football I, i i don't i don't know like it is what it is, man. Like, it's just no use getting bent out of shape over it. It's <laughs> it's what it is. Like, not my problem. Uh, good luck to Jordan Addison. I hope he catches a lot of footballs and goes to the NFL and gets picked in the first round. He's a great receiver. I have him in my dynasty league, so I am personally invested in his success. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hmm, I don't know. Like, I, I hope Pitt does well anyway, and I hope Keaton – I like Keaton Slovis and still think he's – an okay quarterback. I hope he ends up being okay. Uh, Pat Arduzzi, no comment. Yeah, no, no comment. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't really like. I, I do like the idea of Stu Mandel posting like a pastel teal infographic on his Twitter that says like what you need to know about Urban Meyer's coup at Ohio State. Right? It's, it's you know that that sort of that sort of posting. I think that that would be good. But um, beyond that, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it'll be kind of interesting to watch Jordan Addison if he goes to USC I think that's going to be an interesting offense to watch I think that Pitt will be fine um we don't all need to pretend that Pitt was still going to be like good this year I don't think why I don't know why people are doing that <laughs> sort of it's not very silly yeah, very very sort silly. of straight oh my god Pitt was going to be a playoff contender until this ha- I don't I don't know about that I mean <laughs> that seems a little bit friendly. Um, yeah. What was even up with all? I'm like, I know Pitt is a decent defense or whatever, but where was all of the top 15 pick coming from? I don't know. Is it just Jordan Addison and the defensive line? Is that? I, I think a lot of people are just bored, and so it's a, it's an easy, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Pitt, I, the Pitt's going to be top 15, and people are doing that with like Wake Forest too. And I like Wake Forest. I like Pitt, and it's you know, I guess more exciting than picking Clemson to be there and as likely uh that that they will be good as as clemson will be as in in our estimation but um i don't know there, somebody has to be in the top 15 so i guess Pitt was in there but yeah i, I don't yeah. i mean like i said i i think they're probably gonna be fine they grabbed pretty good players from the portal themselves they i you know 
I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be roughly what Pitt is. It's it's one wide receiver. It's not like USC went and grabbed their whole roster. And also, even if they did, you can just go get a new one. It's the rules go both ways. It's you know, it's just how it is. It, it, this is, I think a, uh, you know, people said for years that there needs to be player more player freedom. They need to be able to be compensated. I agree. I think that they they absolutely do. I think the school should have to pay them, but. Um, I think this is better. I think this is better than what it was. I, I, you know, there are, there are things that probably aren't perfect about it, but also, like we said, I don't really care. It's not my problem. It, it's, I think it's about as fine as it's going to be. It's a, it's an imperfect sport. There are a lot of things above this on the totem pole for me of, of like things that I think need fixed. Um, ultimately players going to a better opportunity is really not one of them. I, I don't, I don't really care. It, it's, I think it's fine. Yeah, and I mean, the whole, I mean, like, you know, well, Pitt gave him an opportunity and really bet on him when he was a low-ranked recruit and yada, yada, and it's, well, like, sure, and of course, like, they were entirely self-interested in the fact to do so, right? Like, mm-hmm. because they wanted to win games, and they did that. They had their best they, season, and, They did it as, know, a, as a charity act, like Ohio State with Marcus Hooker. It was, it was you know, you, we have to do this because <laughs> we owe it to them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, the Pitts had their best season in 35 years in large part because Jordan Addison caught, like, four errant Kenny Pickett passes last season. <laughs> uh in that you know and like some of their biggest games that like were going to be sure interceptions if he didn't steal the ball from a safety yeah uh you know he gave you know it is what it is he's the best receiver they've had since Larry Fitzgerald it's probably the best player they've had since Aaron Donald uh you got a great season out of him like you don't he doesn't owe you anything more like he's going to go make some more money and then make more money than that at the NFL with a, a receiver coach you may actually know or like and, you know that's it is what it is best of luck to him and best luck to pit you know i i'm sure you guys will go eight and four again like you usually do and uh that's probably actually generous but uh you know <laughs> let's go on to the Sun Belt. yeah <laughs> let's I, talk about I, some real football I'll, I'll say real quick as well uh pat narduzzi could have hired brendan marion as, as his offensive coordinator he had the chance not that hard yeah it would have been no actually i would say extremely easy to do um and instead he uh he didn't do that so good and also really quick too if pat narduzzi's actually I mean, do something about it right are you just gonna cry in the media you're gonna do yeah. something like if you if you have proof that lincoln Riley tamper or usc tamper then do something about it like otherwise you're just crying and posturing and I don't really care to hear it. Like, do something or don't. Yeah, I'm already not really interested in what he has to say. I'm especially not interested in him just sort of whining. Um, All right, Sunbelt, let's do it. Uh, We're going to start here with Tier 5. We've got three teams in Tier 5, each of them, I would say, more sinister than the last, um, in reverse order. So I guess uh, less sinister than the last. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Much, much worse tagline. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't quite roll off the top. Each of them more pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know we, how much we love Terry Bowden, and I've got him at 12 here. So starting at 14, um, the most odious program in the league, unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say, truly a, a cesspool. Um, really despicable things have happened here over the offseason. Ryan, Georgia Southern has hired Clay Helton to be its its head football coach. Um, I... <laughs> I'm so mad about this. I'm so earnestly outside of the bit, no irony, like upset about Georgia Southern doing this. This sucks so bad. How would you feel if they hired Clay Higgins instead? <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible hire, right? Yeah. And also, like, is there any reason for us to think that going away from the option is like ever going to work here for the first time ever by, by hiring Clay Helton of all people? <laughs> You'd think not, given it's never worked before. I, I I would imagine that he's probably a lot closer to Brian Van Gorder than the the new athletic director there would want to 
make you think. Um, his his whole deal. I've I've done a pretty extensive amount of of looking into. I believe his his name is Jared Banco. This off season, um, his whole deal is that he was an SEC guy for a really long time. He's like the SEC millennial AD, right? That's his thing. Um, mm. the, the you know the kind yeah the kind who is like feeding scoops to SB Nation reporters for some reason and not you know that's pretty like funny. ESPN or whatever. Um, and, and so he wanted to install. He, he wanted to modernize the football program is his thinking. That's the thing that he's been saying forever. And so the guy that he has tabbed to do that is Clay Helton, uh, the most modern man in America. Uh, no one is more progressive a mind than, than, uh, than Clay Helton. No one is more popular nationally than Clay Helton. Um, more on the cutting edge. But, yeah, I mean, historically speaking, it's, there's no precedent for it working. It has never worked. They've done this like five times. All five times, it has immediately failed. It, it like literally within one or two seasons, the coach who tried it has been fired. Uh, without fail, there is not a single <laughs> story of going against it and having it work. Like Irk Russell ran the triple. He's the one who built the program. He passed it off to triple guy, to triple guy, to triple guy, and then I believe after that they hired Brian Van Gorder because they hadn't been getting to sort of copy of a copy territory he goes three and eight he is immediately fired they go back to the triple they stick with that a little bit more and then they hired um tyson summers i believe was his name in uh, the the mid 2010s as they moved up to fbs he was is that his name is it tyson summers that's yeah 94 percent yeah. sure that sounds it's right, either but... that or that's the guy off of survivor it, it, uh, it, it, it certainly could be. There's there's too many guys named Tyson involved in this. Speaking of names, just going to circle back really quick to a bit at the top here. People already probably forgot you said his name. Mm-hmm. Kirk Russell. What's that? Annoyed Kirk Russell? Yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> horrible, horrible. Are you? How familiar are you with Kirk Russell? Because I think you would really enjoy his work if you if you uh... <laughs> can't say I know a single thing about him. <laughs> his whole thing was being the defensive coordinator who would he he was a Georgia defensive coordinator under Dooley for a really long time. And he would uh, headbutt all of his players with their helmets on before the game so okay. much that his forehead would bleed. He was a bald guy. Mm. Um, all right. And so he would just go nuts with it. He was a, just a crazy person who Georgia said. What if they hired. had a what if they had a basketball coach called Dirk Russell and he only let his players shoot like fadeaways or something like that? Yeah, that actually they do have that. So I, it's interesting <laughs> that you would come to the same conclusion that the AD would. But yes, yeah, so it, was, it was Tyson Summers, um, I believe. Is that right? Hold on. Yes, it was Tyson Summers. Okay. Um, he sucked, too. He was fired after, like, two or three years. And then they go back to a former of the triple with uh, the the most recent head coach, who Chad Lunsford, who was fine. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really know why he needed to be fired. He was, like, he went, like, 8-5 and five one year, 10-3 and three another. He started 1-3 and three this last year, but that, that's, I mean. Didn't you have the player get drunk or something on top of the bus? And... Yeah, that was sort of the thing that they were, they were, like, oh, he's lost control of the program. It's like, I don't know. I mean, you're fucking in statesboro georgia i think that's going to happen sometimes it's 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 honestly a little bit of a surprise it didn't happen more than that um but they go out they want to go away from the option they very obviously have wanted to go away from the option for a while now and they were just looking for a reason to fire him um and their guy to usher them into this new era is clay helton um now you may say oh patrick well the options never work you know clay helton's a terrible coach oh it's not really a good fit for the program this makes no sense it's not Uh a good hire at all there's nothing about (laughs) smart yeah you can say all those things have you ever seen a coach try to run the option or uh, sorry you have a coach transition away from the option with all pro quarterback kyle ventries to the roster (laughs) 
I guess not. I've never seen that. I suppose that could, you know, maybe that's the thing that that gives them the edge that they need to be the first the first team in program history, its entire history, to uh, win without running the triple option. Has literally never happened before. Maybe Kyle Van Treese is the guy to usher in um, what certainly seems like it's is going to be an air raid offense. I don't know. Uh, hmm. like, like he went out, Helton went out and hired an offensive coordinator away from Western Kentucky, where his brother is, of course, the head coach. Western Kentucky, as you might know, ran straight up the air raid last year. He hired a guy from that. Um, they had been working with Graham Harrell at USC for a couple years. Seems like he just wants to run the air raid, and they're going to bring in Kyle Vantrese to do that. Um, for those of you uninitiated, he was the quarterback at Buffalo these last couple of years. Um, I I would say generally he was fine in that role. Buffalo certainly didn't focus on him as the the key of the offense. I would say it actually did as much as it could to limit him within the offense and and just get the ball to the running backs. But he can throw the ball forward, which is probably a, a step up on the other quarterbacks on this roster because they were option quarterbacks. Uh, but I, I don't think I would consider him good or really all that exciting or really a very good fit for the air raid. He doesn't throw the ball super well. He just does. Um, and so I, it, it's very funny to imagine the world where Kyle Ventries does like just light the world on fire. He's awesome from day one in this fucking air raid offense. Uh, but it's it's kind of hard to kind of hard to imagine. Yeah, uh, I I can't see this looking like I mean like I don't know like what is the best case scenario for the offense or for Clay Helton tenure like what what is this even like you're you're wild if this goes as well as they could possibly hope for what is even the upside? Um, this year specifically, it's probably something like Van Trees forms a really good connection with Jeremy Singleton, who is at Houston. He's now here. He'll be a starter probably in the slot, but I don't really know where he's a good yards after catch guy, but that's about it. Um, this year in general though, beyond that, I think the ceiling is pretty bad. Um, defense isn't going to be very good. Hasn't been very good for a couple years. Offense is doing, I, I would say probably the hardest transition in football and making it harder by going to the air raid specifically. Um, that's a lot to ask of a team that employed like 20 running backs and no wide receivers last year. Uh, Caleb Hood, I guess is okay at wide receiver and there is Singleton, but that's it. That's, that's all the receivers on the roster. Uh, and then you have a whole bunch of running backs who have never caught the ball before and, and a whole bunch of six foot one offensive linemen who, Clay Helton described uh, in in sort of previewing the team as he arrived, uh, he, he described the offensive line as being excellent, which I think was um, I don't know I don't know where he got that idea from because that's not true. That's maybe he was watching a different team, but uh, this offensive line certainly was not excellent at even option blocking, and I would say that that's quite a bit easier than uh, a raid or spread up spread blocking is kind of why you do it in the first place. Uh, so I, I I guess the ceiling this year is like. Maybe you know the best case scenario is like three wins, four wins. Long term, I, I I'm trying to distance myself from just being, you know, oh well there 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 isn't possibly a way out because like I don't know maybe it'll work. I've been wrong before, but like I really don't know what the ideal looks like other than he successfully modernizes the program to the tune of like six wins a year because you're in the Sun Belt East and there are six other programs doing the exact same goddamn thing. And there's no real reason that Georgia Southern would be better at it than those programs. I don't think it's going to be a better Marshall or even Coastal Carolina or certainly Appalachian State. I, I don't really know why it would be that. And so maybe the ideal is that he he modernizes recruiting. He changes some of the old traditions that, that, that people within the program think are holding it back on the trail. 
and then he passes the sticks to someone off of the Jamie Chadwell tree, and they go back to something kind of resembling the option. Maybe they catch Willie Fritz back on the downswing because it seems like things are kind of going south at Tulane. Um, I think that's about the best-case scenario I can paint, which is not usually a great reflection of a coach is that the best case scenario is that maybe they'll make for a soft landing for whoever the next coach is. Mm, that's the dream. That's the Clay Helton dream. Just leave it better than you found it. Right. He's yeah. kind of the, uh, he's kind of the, you know, park forest ranger of, of college triple head coaches. I'd say yeah. uh, just a good all around good guy. We all love to see uh, right. in the job. Yep. Yeah. We love him. Can't all get right. enough of this guy. <laughs> Let's move a little bit north, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about those Red Wolves. What's going on down there at Arkansas State? Uh, and, and especially, is there anyone in this roster who will blo- block for James Blackman? Man, I feel bad. I feel so bad for James Blackman, who his whole career is just this. It's all teams that cannot pass block at all. Like, I, I, do you remember watching his Florida State teams at all? Um, that like, it it was like 2017, 2018 end of the Jimbo era. He's out there and he's got like a half a second to throw until he's getting sacked. He got like 50, he got like, he got sacked like 60 times when he was the starter at Florida state. It was shameful. And, uh, it's still that Arkansas state can't block at all. They couldn't block at all in 2021. I'm, I guess optimistic in the way that you have to be when a team returns like several starters up front. I, I say several, I think it's, um, I think it's three, which is not not especially good. It's it's two or three. Um, so I, I guess like it can't be a whole lot worse. So they have that going for them. But it it really doesn't feel like they're ever going to give this young man a whole lot of help. They didn't really do much on the line in the transfer portal. Um, they haven't honestly given Butch Jones this affinity for trying to do whatever the new thing is. They really didn't hit the portal all that much. They got a decent number of guys on defense, but. Um, as of me putting together the the returning production spreadsheet, they had one transfer portal guy on offense. It was a Purdue running back, Jaquez Cross, um, and so I'm I'm a little bit curious about that. But I I think that that's going to be a limiting factor for this offense and for this team is the fact that they just I don't think they're going to be able to block very well. I I legitimately I like some of the receivers here. I like Tavalence Hunt, former TCU guy. Um, I like Jeff Foreman, kind of a kind of a slot guy. He's a little bit of a deep threat. Um, some of the running backs showed some intrigue. Not, I'm not gonna say a ton. Um, Marcel Murphy was really good, or Marcel Murray rather was really good in 2018, but hasn't done a whole lot since. But the, this offensive line's just not very good, and I think that's gonna limit a lot of the offense. Even if legitimately, I think James Blackman looked okay last year. He completed more than half of his passes, which is an improvement eight touchdowns to four interceptions. I think that's fine. It's just that I think he's going to bump into the same thing that Lane Hatcher did last year, which is that he can't stay upright. And that's um, probably more problematic for him than it is for Hatcher because Hatcher's faster than he is. I mean, it's just, is there any reason to expect a step forward for this team in general this season or kind of any optimism around this program? So I, I do like, we we've talked before. I do like Butch. I think that Butch is a good, is a good coach. I think that he's a good program builder at this level. The Tennessee job was probably too big for him. And of course there's the wonderful song about Butch Jones that we both know and love, but, um, Butch Jones, <laughs> he's gonna kick your ass. He's gonna kick your ass. Butch Jones. 
Jones. God, Keep going. I love. I hope that that guy's all right. I hope he's doing well. But um, I I think that the he actually just won the Ohio Democratic primary today for governor. Well, <laughs> I'm very excited for him. I I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, so the, you you've you've got that. I think that Butch is a is a guy to be excited about. Generally, if he is the head coach of your G5 program, he's a proven winner at this level. Um, the the offense, like I said, the skill talent, I think is fine. Um, running back, I have a lot of questions about, but not really through any fault of their own. Defense returns Kevon Bennett, who was an awesome pass rusher on defensive end last season. Um, the rest of the defense, I'm a little bit less excited about. They have about a million defensive linemen, so I'm assuming that a couple of them can break through. Vidal Scott is sort of the guy on the inside, former JUCO guy. He's just really big uh one of those guys we love a, a former juco tackle who's just really fucking big yeah that's, that's like one of the top whole, kind of guys you can be <laughs> this whole thing arkansas state is like legally required to have at least one of those guys per year um and they get rid of caleb bonner at linebacker which is a pretty big step in the right direction just not having him on the field because that guy stunk um secondary is a mess secondary they're losing a, a pretty decent chunk of guys um, specifically from the, the safety position. I think that they might be okay at cornerback with Taylor Doss and Leon Jones back, but I don't really know who's going to play safety here. Eddie Smith is transferring from Illinois, former Alabama guy, I believe. Um, hasn't done mm. hasn't done anything at all. A full career of not doing anything. Sure maybe, is uh, not. Yeah, he maybe, is uh, uh, not, not good, we'd say. Maybe he'll do something now, but they're losing Ellery Alexander. They're losing their next two uh, safeties behind him, and then the guys next to Smith are both just really young dudes who haven't done anything. Um, so I think that the reason for optimism this year is the offensive skill, talent, and what could be a pretty good pass rush. It was a decent pass rush last year, but um, other other than that, ceiling's not super high because of the offensive line, because of the defensive secondary. Long-term, I feel fine about Arkansas State. I think that it is in a, a certainly much more winnable division. Somebody's going to have to come up in the West. Um, Butch Jones, I think, is a pretty good program builder and coach, and so I, I feel fine. But this year, I think it's going to be another uh, another struggle of sorts. Yeah. Um, speaking of teams that have struggled uh, maybe for many years or teams that are going to continue to struggle for many years going forward, tell me a bit about uh, University of Louisiana Monroe, Patrick. Yeah, so this was, this was one that I think we were pretty – I would say fairly low on last offseason, the hiring of Terry Bowden, who is a million years old. Um, he's still a million years old. They weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. They were, uh, I'll say, competent, uh, at least vaguely. Um, the Rich Rod hire offensively ended up working out pretty well uh, relative to expectations. The offense wasn't good, but they ran the ball pretty well. It had some interesting designs. Uh Unfortunately for for Louisiana Monroe's sake, it was actually too good because he got the Jacksonville State head coaching job, um, and so they don't have him anymore. They had to go out and get Matt Kubik, who had been here before and was most recently a high school coach, which is usually a pretty good reflection of a uh, a coach's ability. Is when they do the old FBS to high school back to FBS at the same job that they were mm. at before. That's always a good sign, but. Um, we sure do love that. But they were competent, at least, kind of. Uh, once they went away from Rich's son at quarterback, they got a little bit better. And they do return the um, the guy who replaced him, Chandler Rogers, who I think is okay. I'm excited to see what he can do with a full season as the unquestioned starter. Um, his receiving room is bleak. It's it's not it's not particularly attractive outside of like 
Boogie Knight, which is a great name, and also their slot receiver. Um, yeah, their quarterback, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, is, is going to be pretty big for them this season. Yeah. Uh, but we do love we do love Boogie Knight in the slot. Um, Andrew Henry is fine at halfback. I think that the offense has... Terry, Terry Bowden just in the mirror looking at himself before, <laughs> before the game. A uh, hog fully out just saying, <laughs> you're a fucking superstar, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's actually just, just that's picture that image. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 cool to think about. Um, but I, I don't know that the offense has the top. <laughs> I can end. keep going if you like. I have more. <laughs> I have several more of these references if you like. Me to keep going. I'll let you sprinkle them in. <laughs> all right all right you go ahead you yeah, gotta do your thing so I, I don't think the offense has quite the top end skill talent to do a whole lot this season probably four wins as a ceiling defense is a little of... more top end talent they should have got heather graham oh my god all right yeah. keep going um defense is, is worse somehow the offense doesn't have a whole lot of depth and the defense has no depth at all the defense has two good players it's josh newton and mark williams Unfortunately, they are both cornerbacks, which is a fun way to build a defense. Just, oops, all cornerbacks. Um, they've got nothing else here. They do have, I will note, I did a little bit of investigative journalism when I was uh, writing up their preview because I, I saw something kind of strange in the Vic Caning uh, Wikipedia page. Do you remember Vic Caning at all? He was the defensive coordinator at West Virginia for quite oh, some man, time. Oh, man, I sure do. He yeah. would have been, I think he was Rich Rod's coordinator, maybe perhaps at um, Michigan briefly. I, I could be, I could be misremembering that, but he was, he's a long time, like three, three, five West Virginia guy. Um, he got fired in 2020 uh, from West Virginia after allegations of player mistreatment. He was hired here last year ahead of the season. Um, his Wikipedia account has had consistent changes to make more friendly the wording around the allegations of player mistreatment, um, including uh, there was a there was a part where it said specifically that he has been uh, that that those allegations have been proven to be unfounded by an independent investigation. Um, I went and looked. The school has never released its findings for this investigation uh, publicly, and so anybody who knows mm -hmm. about this would mm -hmm. be directly involved with it. The person making these edits is the same person every single time, and the IP address tracks back to Huntsville, Alabama, where uh, Katie no has way. kind of a, a, I would say, actually a significant amount of family. <laughs> And uh, oh my god! And and so I I can say somewhat comfortably I believe Vic Caning or someone close to him is consistently editing his Wikipedia page to make it seem like he didn't uh you know uh, mistreat his players at West Virginia. Um, Holy shit! Which is just very cool. <laughs> if nothing else, we've got we've got that going on. Um, yeah, just just the one Wikipedia account. Let me see if I can find it again because they had. They had an insanely funny edit history. They're still going. Um, their edit history is, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Have you seven, followed the story eight, where, by nine, the way, the guy who does, just while you're looking for this, just yeah. the guy who does most of the Wikipedia edits is like works for the NSA or something like that. The guy who's done the most Wikipedia That's edits awesome. of all time. The guy who looks like, uh, a, uh, like, a, like a Star Wars character. Yeah, yes, I, I like him. So uh, um, this this IP address um, has edited 15 Wikipedia stories. Third, or it has made 15 edits. 13 of them are to the Vic Caning Wikipedia page. The other two are to this guy Graham Hancock, who is a British uh, crank. It seems to be his thing. He's like an ancient aliens guy. Um, 
And so uh, I, I really, really need to, just for my own sanity, I need to think that this is Vic Koenig doing this or someone close to Vic Koenig. Um, there is also a world in which it is, it is um, who we will talk about later, Troy head coach John Sumrall, who is, I believe, from Huntsville and worked with Koenig, I, I think, directly. Um, very mm. funny to imagine that he's the guy going on the Wikipedia page and, and editing it to make it seem like Vic Koenig didn't abuse his players. Um, but he's back. He's the defensive coordinator. He's got two players players it'll be pretty funny to see what he does uh and how he maybe smooths over what he does this season afterward on the internet uh to clarify the guy who edits most of wikipedia his name is Stephen pruitt and he's a uh contractor for u.s customs and border control that's good uh so that seems good um <laughs> <laughs> their notes on Louisiana Monroe. Um, anything else you're rattling around out there not really I, I i wouldn't recommend watching any of the teams in this tier i, I don't think there's really even like a super fun player or anything worth worth looking out for. I think they're just pretty roundly not very good. I, I wouldn't recommend it. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get a tier four. Yep. Uh, Texas State. Is this the worst team in the state of Texas? Oh, man. Um, well, Rice is pretty bad. I, I think it's, it's... Rice is... It's Rice contender. Rice is pretty bad. North Texas is going to have a tough year, right? Uh, it depends on which half of their of their season shows up, because the second half was really good. The first half was really, really bad. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to be quite so quite so bad. I would expect a bowl game from them. I don't think I would from Texas State. There is a chance that once again, I don't know if they did this last year, but there is a chance that Texas has the worst record in Texas at the end of the season. Oh, um, man. Which would just be... I huge. love hating on Texas. It's so fun, and the, the extra cool thing about it is that you're never wrong. They never prove you wrong. They, they never are like, oh, yeah, check this out. We're actually good. No, it's always 4-8. and eight. They always suck. And it's always free, too. You can always do it for free. It never yeah. costs any money to hate on Texas. <laughs> People don't realize that. You can do it whenever you want. You can just, like... You can you can type up you can you can load up the uh, the Twitter app you can make fun of Steve Sarkeesian and there's nothing anybody can do about it the man went four and eight it doesn't matter that's right that's right okay Texas State this season would you say is more likely that Jake Spavital gets his breakthrough and Texas State goes to a bowl or that he gets shit canned fired embarrassed housed man I <laughs> I think it's kind of I like. It's weird because it seems like there's belief internally in him. It seems like the people around the program think he's going to get it, that he's going to get his his breakthrough. They they like what he has done. His big shtick was that he didn't take any recruits, like high school recruits. He just took transfers and JUCO guys um, in the state of Texas, which is a little strange. Um, I, I don't know that it deserved quite as much panic as it got. Uh, but it seems like there is a belief in Spavital and in what he is doing. I am of the opinion that he probably gets fired i'm of the opinion that they don't get their breakthrough just because i've i've seen one too many texas state teams where i was like yeah it looks like they might be pretty good next year and they just never are they cannot get everything going in the same direction at once it's if the if the offense takes a step forward the defense takes a step back or vice versa his offenses have been weirdly bad uh given that being his sort of selling point when he came to town he was the guy who produced the west virginia offense allegedly he was working under dana holgerson it's sort of like being you know a mike, a mike gundy offensive coordinator i don't know that it's especially impressive um but he, that was his his sort of credential that he came in with and i i don't think that it's really borne out in any serious way his offenses haven't been very good and so there's uh, maybe there's a chance. I, I don't think it's impossible to see a breakthrough. It's just especially in the West, but it's it's not 
it doesn't look great right now. Certainly, I, I wouldn't bet on it if I was if I was you know handicapping uh, whether or not he gets fired or not. And why do you think it is they just can't get everything going in the right direction at the same time? Well, this this is a hard job, right? Like this is I, I don't know if this is the hardest job in Texas, but I would certainly put it up there with like UTEP with a, a program like that. Um, San Marcos is not really in a fantastic location. Is that near? Let me. That's near San Antonio, right? San Marcos, we're doing the movie corner here on Ryan's uh, podcast uh, feature. Uh, it is uh, featured in the movie Boyhood by Richard Linklater that came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Marcos, if you remember briefly, is where uh, the character moves for a couple of years when his mom becomes an adjunct college professor. Uh, you may remember this as the town he drank his first beer in. Hmm. Uh, so if you guys are a Boyhood head out there, that's uh, where it's where that town was, San Marcos. It is between San Antonio and Austin. So I guess the location actually pretty good if you're going to be. If you're going to be in the state of Texas, you could do worse than between Austin and San Antonio. It doesn't produce as much talent as like Houston or Dallas does, but you're not in the middle of fucking nowhere like like UTEP is. Um, and so I, I, it's still, it doesn't seem like anybody has really found what this job can actually be. There is no history of success at all. I think the best coach here is Dennis Francione, and he was only here as like a favor in the first couple years of its existence. Um, and so I think that it's it's partially just that it's a really hard job, and it's partially that Jake Spavital, frankly, isn't really a very good coach. He, I don't think he was a very good offensive coordinator. It was kind of weird that he got, that he got the job in the first place. It feels like they could have gotten somebody better. Um, I did go through when I was previewing them and sort of picked out coordinators within the state, coordinators in the area who would make sense for this job. And I don't know that any of them are obviously better than him. I don't, I think you'd be doing pretty much the same thing unless you could go get somebody like a, like a Doug Belk, who I think probably would not take this job because he's smarter than that. Um, but so I, I think that that's probably part of it. And the other part is just luck. Uh, sometimes you have a whole bunch of close games go in the wrong direction. They were like three or four bounces away from being a bowl team in 2020, and they, they lost every single one of them. 2021 team was not as good. But I think that it's it's been it's been a, a couple of things, largely that Spavital is not a very good coach, that his staff hasn't been very good. But it, it's it's a hard job. They've had some bad luck. I, I think it's it's any number of things. On, on a personnel front, like, what do you think Lane Hatcher does for this team? That's well, outlook. Well, I, I think Lane Hatcher at his at his best is really good. He he was really really good at Arkansas State when he was on. He's limited as a passer just because he he's pretty little. He's a he's a small fellow. I think he's like five ten. Um, but he has that sort of Will Greer thing to him. You, I I don't think I need to go into a whole lot more detail on what that means. He just hmm. he's kind of an asshole. He has a beard. He. <laughs> You know, you know how it, yeah. you know how he is. Um, does the thing where he runs around in the pocket for 25 seconds and then completes a 10-yard pass. And CBS Sports uh, at CBS Sports tweets out like Lane Hatcher is a problem with the bicep emoji. Um, so he can do that, and he he puts up pretty good stats. He put up good stats at Arkansas State, and they do have, I would say, a team that makes sense for him relative to that they have a bunch of tall receivers which is really the thing that worked best for them at arkansas state was six three six four receivers they have a bunch of those i think that that should work pretty well um and so i think that he changes the calculus a little bit on offense this is the kind of guy that spavital wants and that he's been looking for i think that brady mcbride was kind of a knockoff version of this um 
He's got his guy. He doesn't have an excuse at quarterback anymore, which is part of why I think he gets fired if they don't make a bowl this year. Um, and so I, I think that Hatcher does improve the offense. I think the offense should be better. My my worry is more about the defense, um, and I think that that's what limits the ceiling more than anything else. I, Hatcher raises the floor. I'm just not sure how much he can how much he can do as one guy with some good receivers without much of a running attack with an offensive line that I would say is generously uh, questionable at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's that they suck, right? Uh, that's that's pretty much the, the the you know the the big and short of it. Uh, but big and short—that's the phrase. That's yep. the big short of it. Yeah, all. the big short. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's the big short of it all. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how, how much you know this defensive line and kind of the defensive side of the football in general, and what are your kind of closing thoughts on Texas State? Well, I do like the defensive line. I like Isaiah Nixon. I like Jordan Jordan Revels. They're kind of the opposite guys on the defensive line. Nixon's a really good pass rusher. Revels is a really good run stuffer. Neither of them can do the other guy's thing at all, which is just, I like that in a pair of defensive ends. I think it's fun at this level. Um, they lose both tackles in between them. Linebackers are bad defensive backs are bad it's sort of like the arkansas state thing where they pretty much just have a pass rush um i think that the offense will be good enough with hatcher that if the defense is around the top 100 they're going to make a bowl game um they get arkansas state they have fiu houston baptist nevada southern miss and ulm on the schedule that would be six you got to win all of them but that would be six i don't think they're going to win anything more than that I don't even have the schedule in front of me. I just I know those are the six that they could win. They could win all of them if the defense is around top 100 and with if Hatcher is good. I don't think they're going to do a whole lot more than that because of the limitations defensively, the limitations on the offensive line. If they win six, he's going to stay. He'll get another year. I don't know what that future will look like uh, without Hatcher because he, he still hasn't found his actual guy at quarterback. I believe McBride is transferring. Um, and so I don't, I don't know what the... You know, to what end but I think they could get to six I don't think they're going to do more than that I think it's going to depend on one or two things if they if they do get there so moving ahead into your two uh we've got Southern Miss um Frank Gore Jr. is essentially the entire football team to my understanding that's my only perception of Southern Miss football at this point in time yeah uh, am I wrong <laughs> no pretty much he was the best quarterback on the team last year he is um as you might assume from the name not a quarterback he's the running back uh he was he they they ran out of quarterbacks at the end of the season all of their guys got hurt and so in the last three games they just put him in there um he went two and one offense averaged almost 30 points per game which was 20 points better than its uh other eight performances against fbs opponents on the schedule <laughs> He was unbelievable. He was so much better at quarterback than anyone else on the roster. It was it was really kind of like it, it was to the point where it's not even a joke. Like he should be the quarterback. He is the best quarterback on the roster. It's not close. Um, he won't be, which is unfortunate. But he he's really good. He is the guy to know. He is the roster. Um, Jason Brownlee is pretty good at wide receiver. He's been around for a while. I like Demarcus Jones as sort of an H back, but. Um, I'd be lying if I said that Frank Gore Jr. was not the roster here. He's he's really good. He is a really good running back. He was somehow a really good quarterback. He should be the quarterback. They should just run the option with him. He went two and one. The rest of the team won one game all season. He won two as the quarterback in three tries. He like 
he was really good. And at you are you are a big quarterback wins guy, right? That yes. is like probably your top stuff. <laughs> Listen, if we're talking about the Sun Belt, if we're talking about this Southern Miss program, which just needed wins, um, yeah, he was that is that is valuable in this case because he won two of them and they only had one other win all season. I'll take that as a stat in his favor. He was the only quarterback who won any games. I guess the question then is like, what do you expect out of the quarterback position if it's not going to be him and, and you know, what is that position's kind of overall impact on the roster kind of the season? Yeah, so I think Ty Keyes is probably going to be the guy. He's a former three-star, started three games in 2021, got hurt. Um, he was the, I guess, least bad of the bunch. Um, the sample sizes for all these guys is so fucked up because uh, Keyes started three games. Um, Trey Lowe started two games. Jake Land started four games. They had another guy who started a couple. Oh, they had Frank Gore who started three games. Um and so you you don't we don't really get a gauge on who what well, on what really any of these guys can do every one of them threw more interceptions than they did touchdowns lange had the biggest sample size he was also the third quarterback off the bench and wasn't very good um keys is probably the best athlete of the bunch it seems like he has the highest ceiling he has the most internal hype i would guess he gets the job low i've not seen a whole lot of talk about despite being the starter at this the open of of last season um keys it's 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 so much of a question mark i don't really know if i can speak definitively on what he is going to do at quarterback he wasn't good last year um maybe he will maybe he will be better this year i do like will hall the the head coach i think he's a good play caller has a pretty good history with quarterbacks but um i uh, I don't know beyond that what this offense can do. I think it's going to be a lot of Frank Gore. And when they do successfully throw the ball, it's going to be pretty much every time to one of Jason Brownlee or Demarcus Jones. Nobody else on this team is catching a pass. They they, they don't need to. <laughs> it's there's no there's no reason to throw to any of the other ones. Just get it to these guys, you're fine. Um and who knows, maybe we'll get lucky and that's what they will do. Maybe they will just hand the ball off to Frank Gore, throw it to Jason Brownlee and Demarcus Jones and stay out of the way as best they can. But um, I think that quarterback is going to be a pretty pretty severely limiting factor here just because I don't see a great reason to be confident in any of the guys that are that are here other than Frank Gore Jr., who is, of course, not a quarterback. I guess you're sharing any kind of thoughts to the rest of the roster and, and how they take a step forward from 3-9 and nine or what could prevent them from doing so. Yeah, so they do have a pretty good chunk of defenders returning. They're losing their backup star, um, a third, a number three cornerback, uh, backup weak side linebacker, and then a couple nose tackles. But the nose tackles are the only starters who are departing, and they have, um, let's see, a bunch of transfers, like five nose tackle transfers, uh, Jalen Williams from Arkansas, two different Juco guys, Quentin Bivens from Ole Miss, and then... Um, Armandus Cooley from Mississippi State. These guys are all here. None of them have done a whole lot, but they, they are former Power 5 guys, and I think if you're going to do that, nose tackle is a pretty good place to do it. Um, that is the sort of position where you can get a lot of that untapped potential later on in their career. Um, and so they, they I think there's reason for optimism defensively just because of the sheer number of guys returning. They have like nine starters back. Um Defense wasn't good last year, so it's not like they're bringing back good players, but they are bringing back players who started last season. I like Cameron Hazel at star. I like some of the stuff I've seen at linebacker, I, I will say tentatively. Um, 
I, I like Jaleel Clemens, who's a transfer from Memphis. I think that he could be pretty good as sort of a pass rusher. Um, and so I, I think that it's sort of the thing that we are, that we're buying into here, if we're buying into improvement, is just the fact that they bring back so much of their roster that uh, some of them have to get better, usually. That's, that's you know, how it works. And, and hopefully if they do that, they will improve. They will just by virtue of being around for another year. Uh, but that's the optimism. There's not like a reason looking at it statistically where we can say like, yeah, this is a really good player who's coming back. Frank Gore Jr. is pretty much the only really good player who we know is good. Uh, other than that, we're just banking on like, yeah, these guys probably are going to get better because they're a year older and they had another year of practice. And that's, um, I mean, it's it's not it's not the <laughs> the most exciting thing to bank on, but it does usually work like that. And maybe it will do so again here. Do you think current day Brett Favre would be the second best quarterback on the roster behind Frank Gore Jr.? <laughs> How old is Brett Favre right now? Uh, 60, maybe. Let's see. Let's see. How old are we working with Brett Favre? Uh, he's 52 currently. Um, mm, not aging well. No, he actually, I would say, looks extremely bad for 52. I, I hope that he gets that. Um, I hope he gets that fixed. Um, I think that Brett Favre would win probably four or five games as the quarterback of this team right now if he was 52 years old i i think that he would i think he would do pretty well um somebody to consider somebody to consider if you're yeah. a southern mess yeah and it doesn't seem like just from what i'm reading in the news it doesn't seem like he has a whole lot else going on so maybe he would maybe he'd want to do this yeah it's possible um let's take a move on to tier three pat yeah 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 let's do it you have lumped together two teams in the state of Virginia who are obsessed with uh, the English royal family and monarchs general for some reason. Not sure why you did it this way. Um, <laughs> but we have James Madison leading off. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, what do you expect from their leap to the F- FCS, the Sun Belt? What are they looking like this year? Give us the rundown. Well, it's it's interesting because this is the best team to make that jump. Like most like recent history, there no one has been more successful in the FCS and then made that jump in the years prior than than James Madison. James Madison had like an 80% winning percentage in the FCS the last 10 years or something. They were better than Appalachian State was than Appala- when Appala- when Appalachian State came up and they won like their first three or four Sun Belt titles when they came into the league. Um, this is rare. We don't get to see this very often. Um, it, it if you know App State, if Georgia Southern, Coastal teams like that are any indication, it's not that big of a leap. But that was five or six years ago. Now the league is better now, and so I think that. I think the leap is probably harder. I do think that James Madison is better equipped for it than a lot of those teams, even the the really good ones of those teams were. Uh, this program is really good. They have a lot of really strong infrastructure. They've won a lot of games. There's a, a pretty severe, uh, 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 there's a pretty serious amount of investment. Um, I believe they have an indoor practice facility, which is not a given in this league. There's a lot of money here, and I think that they will be very good. I don't know how good they're going to be in year one, but the 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 leap has gotten harder, but I think that James Madison is as ready for it as anyone would be other than like if North Dakota State jumped up to the MAC or something. They would be favorites from day one. James Madison is not that, but I do think that they I, are they're pretty well equipped for this. I did almost go to college there. Uh, they were my third choice coming out of high school. Uh, there was a chance I ended up as basically me, except for the FCS, which would probably, we probably would still be friends. I guess if that happened. Yeah. We'd actually be much closer. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is really funny to imagine just my exact personality, except like 
doing this shit around like a bunch of rich kids from McLean, Virginia, whose parents work for the CIA, but like still tailgating on Saturdays and just like tweeting deep fried memes at the one reporter who covers James Bass or whatever. Uh, kind of funny to imagine. You can't wait until Kurt Signetti is on trial. You are ready to put him on. <laughs> I would probably be on staff as like the head of recruiting James Mattis if this had gone differently in my life. Tough to think about. Yeah, you're you're directing their strength and conditioning. You're doing the podcast on the side because they don't mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like leaking insider info about other SNC coaches, but it's clearly just about one guy. It's just like I have a, I have a vendetta against like the old Dominion SNC coach for some reason. I uh, just keep calling him a loser by name or telling him anonymous. Yeah. Uh, Stu Mandel is reporting that the old Dominion strength and conditioning coach is quote bitch made. <laughs> Should I be the best source of all time? Bruce Feldman going Uh, back to you day after day. Can't get enough. (laughs) Yeah. Bruce Feldman's like, frankly, I don't give a fuck about your your split squat reps. Yeah. uh, Is what he's tweeting now instead of us. Yeah. Yeah. You've got He's he's doing the the freaks (laughs) list and it's just all 85 players on the scholarship at James Madison. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, okay. <laughs> what are we talking about with these guys yet? Uh, I don't know. Like, they can't go to a bowl, right? So, what does a successful first year look like for them? I, I think that it's probably causing problems for the other good teams in the East, right? It's it's that they beat a team like Marshall, that they beat certainly an Old Dominion, um, maybe causing problems for some of the teams in the top tier that we're going to talk about in a little bit. If they beat one of Georgia State, Coastal, or App State, this is a successful season. Bar not, like that's it. Yes, it it, it is. Um, if they have a winning record, I think that they're, they're feeling pretty good too. I think that's realistic. Um, like you said, they can't go to a bowl game, which is sort of a bummer, but proving themselves as capable at this level of competing on the, uh, a full schedule. They don't get worn out by the end of the season. They look well-matched against the teams relatively close to them on this, on this tier list. They jump up and beat a couple teams. I think they're feeling really good about that and, and moving forward, especially as they they're they're sort of moving into a new era here personnel wise as well they've got some some veteran guys that they need to replace who were pretty important for a lot of those national title contending teams if they're still good moving into a new level of football with a a fairly young roster i think that they're extremely happy about that fair enough fair enough um and i guess like beyond that what is their long-term expectation I think that it's I think it's league contention. I, I think there's no reason to think that James Madison can't be what Appalachian State is. Um, obviously, you have to beat Appalachian State to do that, which is easier said than done. Um, but I, I think long term, there's there's plenty of reason to think that they could be the number one or number two team in the East consistently. The the infrastructure here, like I said, is excellent. I think they're in a pretty good location. I I really like their staff. Talent is already pretty good. Um, I, I think James Madison is well well suited for, for long-term success, if not outright yearly contention uh, alongside Appalachian State. The, the really only downside negative here is that they are in the harder of the two divisions. If they're in the West, I'm picking them probably to run the table starting next year. Uh, they can't do that in the East, but I, I think they could be really good all the same. Interesting, interesting. Um, so it's moving on to the other sicko freaks here who like the royal family and are uh, pro pedophilia in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, Old Dominion and uh, the clown prince Ricky Ronnie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me a bit about, tell me a bit about <laughs> this program and 
And I guess, how much do you believe in, in Hayden Wolf and also at the same time, the royal family of England? Um, equal amounts, which is a lot. I, I have my full confidence in the royal family and in Hayden Wolf, who are inseparable. You cannot divide the two. If you talk about one, you have to talk about the other. Every time people mm. talk about, oh, I'm watching the royal wedding, they're also talking about, oh, I'm watching Hayden Wolf play against Southern Miss on a Thursday mm-hmm. night. Um, those people are doing that. They have to watch Hayden Wolf ball out. They have to go nuts over Hayden Wolf, just like they're going nuts over uh, whatever the royal family is doing um he i i think he's really good i think hayden wolf is really good he was the starter in the last seven games of the season last year at quarterback uh a engineered a five-game winning streak they didn't close super strong i think they last they lost their last two but he was really really good stats weren't amazing but he won a lot of games um I don't think that his interception total, he had seven to ten touchdowns, was necessarily fair. I, I, he had some bad drops, and I don't think it was really his fault. He probably should have had more touchdowns than he had, probably should have had more completions than he had. Um, I like this guy a lot. I think he's got a really good arm. I think that he is the kind of player who can be a really good quarterback in this league. He is, of the quarterbacks that I think are on the, the upper echelon in this conference, the one that I'm least confident in just because he's the one we've seen the least of but i i i think he could be really good i I think that he's probably already going to be really good and and so that he sort of sets where a lot of this offense is going to go but they bring back pretty much everybody they lose i think one starter on the offense and then two or three on the defense um they arrive sort of a year early but i i think that they could i I think hayden wolf is going to be really good and I'm, i'm pretty optimistic about what this offense is going to look like with him leading the way for a full season instead of taking over for Daryl Mack like he did last year. Oh, yeah. Um, if this team goes 500, would, they, would you be disappointed in them personally? Um, I'm always disappointed in any team that doesn't go 12-0. I think people know that about me. but um, That's right. I, I think that... I think it would have to be a little bit of di- a little bit disappointing because they made a bowl last year, which is sort of a funny circular reasoning. It's It's, you know... <laughs> it's disappointing because you were good last year instead of being bad like you were supposed to be. Um, but they didn't play in 2020, and so we didn't get to see Ronnie coach until this past season. That was somehow his first year as the head coach, like actually coaching on the field. Um, and that they went to a bowl was, uh, I think, good. It was obviously you're not going to turn down a bowl, but it does sort of set expectations here a little bit differently because – I don't know if they're going to go a whole lot more than six and six this year. The schedule is not friendly. They are in the East, as I as I mentioned. Um, it's going to be hard. The victim to... of stagflation. The problem is stagflation in some belt scheduling. Yeah, and and so um, I I think that they might go seven and five. If they're really good, they might go eight and four. But they're probably not going to do much beyond that, and that is going to be just a little bit disappointing because of how much they were able to do last year in the the. I would say well ahead of schedule and now they return so much of that you expect a lot more but the the talent level is probably closer to to seven and five six and six and so they might just reach expectations rather than exceeding them by winning five games in their last you know six regular season tries or whatever it is um and I suppose beyond that you know like what are the primary limiting factors other overall contention to to get ahead of six and six to you know to make sure they really can't compete for a conference championship what is stopping them from doing that and what can they do to fix it i think it probably is just just 
you know, long term, it's talent acquisition. Ricky Ronnie is is I don't think he's like the best recruiter in the world, right? Um, and it's he hasn't really recruited all that well here. It's fine. Um, they've been fairly good in the portal. They've grabbed a couple important guys, but they're not super active in it. They got Sean Asbury from Boston College, who I don't know. You might be kind of excited about. He's a secondary guy. He's okay. Um, I'm a huge Jeff Halfley recruit guy. Yeah, you love Jeff Halfley recruits. Um, you can't get enough of those guys. And so I think that that's the long-term thing for just this season. The issue is going to be the secondary. They lose Jojo Hayden. They lose Roger Cray. They lose uh, Harold Blackman all from the secondary. That's three starters. They really couldn't afford to lose any of them. They lose all of them. And so they're going to be breaking in three new guys in the secondary. I don't think that they have three obvious answers back there. Um, they're going to be asking Asbury to start from day one. They're probably going to be asking Taj Rayal to start from day one. He had eight tackles last year. Um, that's that's a lot to ask of a guy who had eight tackles last year. And so I think that's the limiting factor here is that their secondary is not going to be very good. But the rest of the team probably will be. And it's it's just unfortunate that they have to play against Coastal and you know App State and Georgia State and uh, James Madison and Marshall all in their same division. And that, that they're, they're probably going to just lose some of those games by virtue of those teams are more talented. But I think this team's pretty good. I think that in the... In the CUSA, if they were in the CUSA, if they were in the MAC, if they were in a different league, they would be one of the favorites. They just they're they're sort of unlucky with their draw this year. Uh, Patrick, we're going to hear two and a half, which you just included here in the Google Doc. Uh, it looks like uh, JD Vance and Tim Ryan are facing off in the Ohio election this fall for one of the positions that is up for election. Uh, what are your thoughts on that race and each candidate's? Well, I think that it's a it's a tough draw for both of them in the uh, in the East. You know, it's, they're going to have to face off against Coastal Carolina. They're going to have to play against Grayson McCall. JD Vance has really struggled with reading the option as a defensive end. Um, crack blocks has have really really hurt him in the past. Uh, he actually had all of his ribs shattered by a slot receiver last season, and that was really hard to see. Um, so he's hoping to avoid that this season. Uh, and Tim Ryan actually doesn't. He's blind. He can't see, and so it's sort of hard for him to play defense at all. Um, I don't know why they keep putting him out there as a as a lockdown island cornerback it seems kind of cruel uh he just has to put his hands out and try to feel the receiver and so they're, they're always calling him for for penalties um uh, but i am excited to see what both of those guys can do in this league yeah for sure for sure all right tier two troy we've got uh just a question here is just in general how big of a difference does not having chip Lindsay make for this team um uh, <laughs> for reference i think that they might be uh, it, it, were it not for for Louisiana's consistent dominance, Troy would probably be the favorite in the West. Like they are, they're really good. They return most of their players from a team that was five and six under really really bad coaching, five and six or five and seven under really bad coaching. Um, some questions at quarterback, but the rest of this roster is like flat out very good. Um, and so I, I think it's going to make a big difference. I think it makes a probably a four or five game difference you could just put like replacement level coach here. And I think they probably go eight and four or nine and three, uh, that they're putting John Sumrall in here makes me feel like they could go 10 and two. Um, just Chip Lindsay. It's, it's really hard to, to overstate how shitty a football coach he is. It is unbelievable how little he got out of this roster in his time in town that they did the exact same thing all three seasons. Um, just a really shitty football coach. No real reason to ever hire him uh, or to even treat him like a human being. Just just don't do not do it. You don't need to respect him as a man. Um, it's There's no good reason to. That's right. That's right. Um, well, I, I mean, I guess just in general, too, like uh, the rest of this team here, what do we expect of Gunnar Watson and, 
and uh, I don't know. Give me, give me the rest of your fucking opinions on Troy. <laughs> I kind of got lost on this preview here, Patrick. <laughs> I uh, I was reading tweet making fun of somebody that I don't like, but I'll share with you after the show. <laughs> I got a little distracted. Just give me some more thoughts on on Troy. Feel free to riff here. I kind of got I kind of got out of the loop. Sure. So Gunnar Watson's the quarterback here. He's pretty much my only question mm-hmm. mark I have about the team. He was fine last year. He threw a lot of screens. I like. I said as much in my preview, um, and this is part of why I don't like Chip Lindsey so much, because I'm not a big fan of this kind of offense. Uh, they did like mostly screens. It was it was kind of the all screens offense, and I I think that that's sinister. I don't much care for that. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see him playing in an actual offense that's designed by an adult and not a toddler. Um, uh, but he was fine. He, he's okay. I think that he's probably going to be okay this season. The rest of the offense is good. Uh, Kamani Vidal is good at, at, at good at halfback. They have a bunch of receivers that I like. Tess Johnson, uh, Deshaun Stoudemire, Demontres Brown was encouraging. He only caught 10 passes, but he was encouraging. Jabari Brown, um, even Rajon Johnson, who's a transfer from UAB, was a really good deep threat there. I, I think that the offense should be really good. They, they lose... I think one starter, center, um, who is fine, but everybody else is back. I think that if Watson can just keep things moving, offense is going to be really good. And then the the real the real star here is Sumrall's defense. He is a defensive mind. He was running Kentucky's defense this past year. Um, John Hines Jr. is gone. He was sort of the run-stuffing defensive end. But they bring back Javon Solomon and Richard, uh, I want to say Jabuner. Uh, I, I believe that's how you say it. Jabuner, maybe, um, who are their, their rush ends. Um, Summerall, if you watch Kentucky at all, really, really likes to have rush ends. He really likes those stand-up defensive ends. Uh, both of these guys are that. They rotated last season. They had almost 20 combined sacks. They are very, very good. Um, I think that the defensive line is going to be good in general. Not really worried about any of the losses up there. I'm excited to see Luis Medina step into a bigger role at tackle. Um, And then at linebacker, Carlton Marshall had 126 tackles last season, which is not always the best thing in the world for a linebacker. I don't really love to see the 150 tackle linebackers because it means that they're probably not very good, but um, he's actually good. He's he's 5'9", 210, which, as people know, is my favorite kind of linebacker, is the guy who's just tiny. Mm -hmm. Um... But he is all over the place. K.J. Robertson is back. Jaden McDonald is back. Um, they really only lose one rotational linebacker, and it was the worst of the bunch. And then Reddy Stewart is a, I would say, a, number, a true number one, one of the better cornerbacks in the league. They lose one guy from the entire defensive backfield. Uh, I think this defense is going to be awesome. I think this is probably the best defense in the Sun Belt. If not, it, it, it may be number two, depending on what South Alabama can do. Maybe number three, depending on what Louisiana can do. But... It should be really, really good, probably top 25 all the same. And so I, I'm i really excited about this. I think that with competent coaching, they are instantly going to be pretty good to very good. Um, Watson's the limiting factor, but there's nothing else here that I'm really all that concerned about. I think they're going to be really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of staying in the state of Alabama, uh, South Alabama, uh, what can we expect here? Who's stepping up to replace Jake Bentley or Jalen Tolbert and – does the offense kind of, uh, you know, does the offense work without Bentley? Um, Bentley, maybe. 
uh, Tolbert, I'm a, honestly a little more concerned about, which is a reflection both on Bentley and on Tolbert. Tolbert was really fucking good. <laughs> Tolbert was really, really goddamn good. And I don't know that they have a star to replace him. Jalen Wayne was fine. Colin Lacey managed to have 40 receptions and fewer than 300 yards, which is just a, a really powerful kind of guy to be as a wide receiver. Um, they do bring back a decent amount of tight end talent. They have they have guys on the offense. Unfortunately, Kareem Walker is gone, who uh, I'm sure you have a deep affinity for as a guy who was being recruited in 2012 somehow and was still playing college football last season. Um, but uh, Terion Avery is back at running back. Brian Hill is back at running back. Offense should be pretty good um, outside of the lack of a star receiver and a quarterback. I really don't know who gets the nod. Desmond Trotter's back. He was fine in 2020. He was okay. And then Carter Bradley is here from Toledo, and I, I it is illegal to have thoughts on Carter Bradley. I do not have thoughts on him. He was the quarterback at Toledo. That is all I will say about him. He is Kyle hmm. Ventries. It is the same Like guy. a candle in the wind. Yeah. Ryan, do you remember um, do you remember Kareem Walker at all? Do you remember that recruitment? Oh, do I remember Kareem Walker, buddy? <laughs> uh I was on the front lines every stage of that recruitment. <laughs> what a fucking guy. One of the funniest recruits of all time. For people who don't remember, uh Kareem Walker uh, committed to Ohio State at the I believe it was the half of their national championship. No, sorry, of their semifinal win against Alabama. Was it the national championship? One of the two. I think it was the national uh, championship. It was like him and Sean Wade and one other guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was uh, the other one was Bruce Johnson who ended up at That's uh, right. yeah. 19 schools. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Kareem Walker committed to Ohio State during their national championship win uh, in the 2014-15 season. Uh, and subsequently, I think, was dropped by Ohio State, uh, then kind of committed to Michigan, kicked out of Michigan in like a month or something like that really fast, had like his ranking fell precipitously. He put on like 30 pounds, just smoking weed everywhere constantly. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I had any snaps to be five level or something like that. Um, he's a cool dude. Yeah, he's he's a cool guy. Well, he had he had 86 carries for 295 yards and four touchdowns here. So we do love that for him. That's uh, I'm, yeah. Legitimately, I was glad to see him play football because um, it's it's kind of a bummer how how poorly everything went for him. Um, but uh, he's gone, so I guess they'll have to find a new cool guy to put in that in that room. Um, only other thing about this team that I think is really worth mentioning, I think they're going to be good. I, I, I'm, I'm casting them aside a little bit. I do think they're going to be good. I do have them above Troy. I think they're pretty much the same team. Um, this defense is, I'm, I will say, I'm very excited about. They bring back Charles Coleman on the defensive end. They bring back Brock Higdon, same place I think is going to be pretty good. They bring in, um, bunch of transfers from p5 schools i don't think any of them are very good on the defense but they are here uh kane Mac kind of went back to indiana and grabbed a couple more of his guys from there um like thomas and janarius johnson are both really really good at defensive tackle um and they also have really hard names to say consecutively and that's a positive in their direction as well um aj deshazer needs to be the 2019 version of himself again at linebacker. He was really not very good this past season, and he'll have to lead that room this year. But I think the secondary is going to be really good. He has Yam Banks back. He has Daryl Luter back, who is, uh, if you are not familiar, the best cornerback in the Sun Belt and maybe one of the best cornerbacks in the country. It's actually kind of insane that they kept him. Um, he did not allow a touchdown. He had four interceptions, and he allowed a 26.7 completion percentage, which is 
uh, I would say very good if you are the number one cornerback for a team in a, le- in a in a league that passes a lot. He is really, really good. Yam Banks is sort of the, the slot guy. Um, and then they have uh, in the secondary, Jalen Jordan is here from Ole Miss. Jamar Richardson also here from Ole Miss. Keith Gauman is back as a starting safety. Um, secondary is going to be really good. I'm curious to see if uh, Kane Womack can build a defense around a really good coverage secondary without a ton of obvious blitzers at linebacker. This is a guy who loves his A-gap blitzes, really, really likes to bring pressure. I think this is a team that's better suited to brush for. I think this is a team that's better suited to sit back and just sort of let the defensive line work and then trust its cornerbacks to make plays in the secondary. I'm interested to see if he can do that. If he can, defense is going to be really good. Um, this this secondary is good enough to carry it on its own. Offense is going to have some some big stars to replace, as we talked about. But I'm excited all around about this team. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about what they can be, even if I don't think that South Alabama or Troy is going to have enough to unseat Louisiana this year. Um, I think in the long term, they, they certainly have a, a good chance to, as good a chance now as they have in any recent time, especially with uh, with Napier leaving. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm trying to think what else we had here, Patrick. Oh, it's here too. We had uh, we had Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had we had those boys at Marshall, and I think the first question we had here is, uh, who caused that plane crash? <laughs> it's hard to say. It's uh, it's an as they say, it's an ongoing investigation. <laughs> <laughs> in general, uh, how are you feeling about Henry Columbia and his team? Um, <laughs> going well, Ryan, I'll I'll ask I'll say the question back to you here. How are you feeling about Texas Tech quarterback transfer Henry Columbia as the uh, starting quarterback of your football team? If you have well, that. Histor- <laughs> historically, Texas Tech transfers have worked out really well for every team that takes them to play quarterback, mm-hmm. and it's almost always a good idea. Uh-huh. So, I have to imagine things will just keep getting better. Yeah, especially I would say uh, Matt Wells era Texas Tech quarterbacks. Those are the best mm, ones. Yeah. Those are the ones if you can get those guys. That dude was just churning them out. You know that 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 famous Matt Wells offense was going nuts down there. Um, and so I don't, uh, yeah, I don't feel great about it. Certainly, I don't feel as good about it as I would if Grant Wells was the quarterback. He's off to Virginia Tech. Um, he was, I think we talked about this on the show, cyberbullied out of town uh, by Marshall. Funny. They, 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 they were so mean to him online that he transferred to Virginia Tech, and then they got Henry Columbia out of it. So um, I, I guess good job, guys. Congratulations on your Henry Columbia. Um, I, I They got the detective Columbo out of this. They, they, got, they swapped him for Columbo. That's, uh, some old reruns. Yeah, that's right. Um, they also have, I believe, Chad Pennington's kid is going to be an early or is going to be a summer enrollee. So that's something to, to think about moving forward at quarterback. Um, Chase Harrison was a former three star out of Ohio, a uh, pretty good quarterback early enrollee. Mm. There are a couple mm. guys here at quarterback who I'm not saw Chase Harrison live a couple times. Mm. I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with not going to work out for Marshall. All right. How about Peter Zamora? Any interest in him? <laughs> that guy sounds like he's written like a pretty unsuccessful sci-fi series. Okay. And then there's also Cam Fancher. Last one. Cam Fancher. Oh, where'd he play at? Um, I don't know. He's a former three-star. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's all I know. Is Let's see here. Let's, 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 let's take a quick look at Cam Fancher. He's from Dayton. There you go. Um, I think I saw him play ball too. <laughs> he was he was at Wayne. He's a 2021 guy out of Wayne. Yeah, 
Hmm, not good, in my opinion. Okay, so it sounds like Henry Columbia, unfortunately, is the quarterback here. So we're, we're, we're shit out of luck. Um, the rest of the offense is really good. I, I, I'm being mean about Henry Columbia. I mean, I am excited about the rest of the offense. They lose Xavier Gaines at tight end, who is very good. But um, Shadid Ahmed is back at the sort of proverbial slot role. He was really good in that. Corey Gamage is awesome on the outside. He's been their best receiver for a couple years now. And then Rasheen Ali was um, the next in line of like just really good running backs that they have here. He's a freshman All-American last year. Uh, 1,400 yards, 23 touchdowns. Also had 45 receptions and 334 yards. I don't know how they keep producing this guy. I don't know who their running back coach is or how, who it has been, but um, it they're good at it. They they get a well, lot Well, their head there. coach is just Charles Hoff, yeah. Yeah, that helps. But they've had a lot of these guys over the last decade or so. It seems like every year they have a 1,500-yard rusher at, at, at running back, and he's also like a true freshman somehow every year. Um, he's Ali is the next line in that. I think the line. I think the offense is going to be fine, even with a couple departures on the uh, on the line. Defense has a lot of departures to worry about. It sort of seems we talked about this last year. Like Charles Huff was trying to do the old one and done here and and get a better job, maybe the Virginia Tech job, and then they went six and five or six and six, whatever it was, which you just isn't going to work uh and now they have a whole they, bunch they did of... give us one of the best games the season though that app state marshall yeah. game was one of the games of the year yeah that game was a blast um but they they now have a whole bunch of guys to replace um defensive end not not much they lose shane simmons another one of those guys who was recruited in like 2012 um former penn state five star i believe uh he's gone he didn't do a whole lot here they have actual guys back at defensive end but they have to replace a ton of guys at tackle um and then also in the secondary, they lose a decent chunk of, of depth and then both starting safeties, um, except for EJ Jackson, who was fine. Um, and so I, I think they're going to be okay. I don't think that their ceiling is high enough that they can compete seriously for the East, but the, the depth of talent is better than most teams in this league. They are a, I would say, a pretty high floor, um, decent ceiling pick probably eight and four nine and three they're good they're martial they're they're going to be martial um and and i think that that's about that's that's a pretty fair way to to describe them yeah i, I mean do you have any concerns with the transition to the sunbelt style of play or do you think it'll be kind of easy peasy um i kind of think marshall fits better in the sunbelt than it did in the cusa i'm i'm curious about what that's going to look like in the long term for the same reasons i'm curious about old dominion and james madison just because it's a hard it's a hard division to be in. It might not be forever. Um, you know, the, those teams can fall. Coastal Carolina can fall. Georgia State, even App State. They, they, they can have down years. They can have down 10 years. But um, I, I think stylistically, I think geographically, it makes a lot of sense. I'm so excited about the yearly uh, App State Marshall rivalry. That's going to kick ass. Like, that's, that's fantastic that we're going to get that every year. Um, and so I'm excited about it. I don't know exactly what the long-term outlook is. Uh, especially under Huff, I, it's sort of hard for me to get a feel for what he's going to do here. He hasn't really established that yet, but um, I'm excited generally about Sunbelt Marshall. I think it makes a lot of sense. We're also really like uh, one bad round of realignment away from having like the Marshall-West Virginia rivalry renewed too, Yeah, uh, which is pretty sick. West yeah. Virginia breaks this thing wrong a couple seasons. You never know what could happen. Yeah, uh, oh, man. We love to think about it. All right. That. Uh, tier one, we got the usual big three in this conference and a new challenger kind of appears. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Georgia state, Patrick. Let's start with these guys. 
And uh, I guess what makes this year in the subtractive jump into that upper echelon different than, than the last ones? Well, see, <laughs> the thing is, you could have asked me this last year, and I would have given you the same answer, um, which is unfortunate because <laughs> I was I was wrong last year. But uh, this year is different because they have a really good quarterback, and last year they had a really good quarterback, and and he uh, ended up not being very good. Cornelius Brown is the guy who I was very excited about last year. He threw four interceptions, uh, completed about half of his passes in like three games, and then transferred to UT Martin. Um, but this time I'm pretty I'm pretty confident. I like Darren Granger a lot. I think that he is better than Cornelius Brown was. Uh, Furman transfer got here, took over the starting job in like week four last year. Um, 19 touchdowns to four interceptions, 133 carries for 660 yards. He was well over 50% completion percentage, close closer to 60 I think. Um, he was really good. He was really safe with the ball, but not in a like super conservative way you know more than 12 yards on his his average depth of throw which or target which i think is pretty good um he was just smart with the ball he didn't throw a lot of interceptions didn't throw a lot of dumb throws has a good arm it's not amazing um it's good enough he's 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 confident and comfortable within the offense and i think that that's pretty much all you could ask for um and and so i'm excited about him and then pretty much the rest of the offense is back they have some transfers destin Coates is gone is gone he was a, a third string running back um sam pinkney is going to coastal which hurts the the wide receiver room cornelius mccoy is transferring from that room he was more of a depth guy and then roger carter graduates at tight end but that's it right they, they have a uh they have one offensive lineman to replace in the entire room um and that's like that's that's it that's really good well, for... i guess then like like how, how much of the pressure do you think falls on Derek ranger's shoulder if he's that much coming back around him uh i'd say a lot I, I i think that that's sort of what hurt cornelius brown last year was that he was not really ready for that pressure he struggled he was forcing the ball too much in those early games um it's a lot to ask of of darren granger certainly it, it is a um they should be really fucking good like that's this is a guy who was at an FCS program whose first year as a starter at the, at the FBS level was last season. Started like nine games. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. They should be really fucking good. I am expecting a lot of Darren Granger. He should be very good. There's not really any good reason that he shouldn't be good. Um, and so it is a lot of pressure on him. And but I I think that. The stuff that he has back, right? He has two really good running backs, Tucker Gregg and, and Jameis Williams, who was a former South Carolina guy. Um, both rushed for almost 1,000 yards last season. They also have Marcus Carroll, who was pretty good as a number three back. They have um, Jaseus Cradle, who was sort of a he was a UCF transfer, kind of a decent deep threat. The real guy here is Jamari Thrash, um, with whom Granger had a really, really good connection down the, down the end of last season. Nice deep threat pretty good intermediate guy um if his hands get better he's going to be a superstar that's obviously a funny thing to say about a wide receiver but he's really really fucking fast he's a very good athlete um and and so i like and even aubrey Payne, who was their leading tight end last season for receptions he's back too um they they should be very good the offense should be very good if i'm being honest like just from looking at returning production, from looking statistically, from from thinking about it logically, if I don't, if this is a blind pick, I don't see who the programs are, the names affiliated with them, the recent histories. Georgia State is the best team in the league. Like roster wise, this is the best roster. Um, but they're fourth because they've they've been able to have a really good roster these last couple of years, and they've not done anything with it beyond making a bowl game, and so. It's hard to pick them over teams who have proven that they can win. I don't know that Sean that um, that Sean Elliott can win. I I I need to see him do it. But 
offense should be really good. And then the defense replaces like a very similar level of not very many guys. They have two defensive ends to replace, but Trey Moore and Jamil, Jamil Muhammad both played a ton last season and are basically starters already. They come back. Um, they have Dante Wilson to replace a tackle, but Thomas Gore was really, really good. He was an honorable mention last year as sort of their A-gap guy. He plays the same position. He can slot right in. Um, both starting linebackers, the other defensive tackle, um, all members of their cornerback room, and then uh, starting, safety Ontavia, starting safety Ontavius Lane are all back. They Legitimately, they lose here if I count um, like four starters from the entire team. <laughs> the, the rest of the team is back. And then all of their depth pieces are also back. They don't have a ton of like exciting transfers coming in. I don't think they really need them. They, realistically speaking, there is no reason to think that they shouldn't be very, very good this season. It is just the ethos of they cannot get over the hump, no matter how obvious it looks like they 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 will. They just haven't done it yet, and so that's that's pretty much my only fear here. There is no reason for them to not be very good. Kind of unrelated to the Georgia State discussion, but just based on you saying the name Julio Muhammad and this team, do you think if you like took the 1960s political climate and, and put it into the NIL and like you know uh, transfer portal era, uh, could you build a roster around kind of having a nation of Islam team uh, in college football? Yeah, you do that. You can do that now. That's what South Carolina is doing. Have you not seen <laughs> what they've got going on out there? <laughs> is this a real thought? I don't know what you're referencing. No, I just I thought it would be a funny name to pull. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean I could buy it. Like what if you, there's one city that kind of reminds you of of you know like uh, Syria, I, I would say it's uh, <laughs> or, or you know Saudi Arabia. It's probably Charleston, no, uh, which is mean? not where South Carolina's at, but it, it is you know of course the cultural capital of Gamecock fandom. What do you think about member of the Brotherhood Spencer Rattler? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, at a different climate, I could buy it. Yeah, I don't know something there. Um, we're looking into okay, that. So, we're thinking very hard let's about move on that. to Coastal Carolina. <laughs> okay. um, I guess how, how much do you think Grayson McCall can do with this team? And, and obviously, I, I mean, if he's not the the best returning player in uh, the Sun Belt or maybe all of G five football, I don't I don't know who is. I think he's uh, one of the best returning players in the sport. He's very good. Like he's like it, it's. He's won the Sunbelt MVP two years in a row pretty easily. He's really fucking good. He's really goddamn good. He's an incredible player. And I and obviously the coaching staff is I think mostly intact here uh, around yeah. Jamie Chadwell. Um I, I mean I guess the next question though is like how much can Chadwell and Grayson McCall lead this team to uh to a good future as they keep losing talent around him year after year? Yeah, so it, it's interesting because j- this year specifically they're losing their starting running back, their top three wide receivers, uh, top tight end in Isaiah Likely, um, a pretty good chunk of the offensive line, I think three or four starters up front, uh, starting defensive end, uh, starting defensive tackle, both of their starting linebackers, uh, one of their starting cornerbacks, their entire safety room. All of that is is gone. Um, this is sort of a new era now for, for Coastal. We are, we are out of the, the initial breakthrough era, the, the linebackers who sort of became famous in Silas Kelly and, uh, Teddy Gallagher are both gone. Uh, CJ Brewer's gone at defensive tackle. Jeffrey Gunter's gone at defensive end. Um, 
Isaiah Likely, Javon Hiley, those guys are all gone. Um, even Shamari Jones, who was not the running back who was famous in 2020, but was sort of part of that group, he's gone. We are into a new group outside of Grayson McCall. And so the question is, like you said, about foundation. Um, Jamie Chadwell has done something that we talk about a lot on this show as it relates to somebody like Matt Campbell, which is the, the importance of taking advantage of your successes, of your breakthroughs. Um, Jamie Chadwell has recruited really well these last two classes. I think he had top two classes in the league, top two or top three classes in 2021 and 2022. Um, that is the kind of thing that we want to see from these programs when they are breaking through, when they are making waves like this, is turn it into something. Do do something else beyond just winning football games. Um, you can't just be the smartest guy in the room schematically. You got You have to go recruit too. You're not above it. You are a college football coach. You are not above recruiting. And Jamie Chadwell is not above recruiting. He has been out. He has been hitting the trail. They have pulled in two of the best classes. I, I say of the, the two best classes in program history, bar none by far. And a lot of those guys are already making an impact. The 2021 class was very good last season. Um, the guy who comes to mind right away is somebody like Josiah Stewart, defensive end, who was a freshman All-American, Sunbelt first team, better of the two defensive ends. The other defensive end is, a, I believe, signing with an NFL team right now. Um, Josiah Stewart, as a true freshman, had 13 sacks. Um, Man. He's really fucking good. He's really, really good. And also, like, good. a weird class last year where, like, three or four freshman defensive ends had, like, a dozen or more sacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting in, in, I guess, this year and next year to see what those guys can do. Because there were a couple who it's like, wow, those guys are already really good. And then there's a couple more who, like from the upper part of that class, didn't get to play a ton in year one, but were really good when they did get to play. I, I think of the two, like at Ohio State, right? Um, but there are a lot of, of, of defensive ends, uh, both in, in Stewart at Coastal Carolina and nationally, where it's just freshman last year where you're like wow these guys are already some of the best players in the country it's um it's an inter i i i think and this is a more this is a larger conversation um early returns to me make me think that the 2021 class was one of those really really good recruiting groups that, that there's just a it feels lot, that yeah, way a lot of teams had immediate impacts from that class in the same way that like the 2017 class produced a ton of guys, 2013 class produced a ton of guys. You get these every couple of years where you get a cycle where there's just a ton of impact freshmen who are then really good for a couple of years. Yeah. It's, I wonder if there's any kind of, I don't know, someone who gets paid a lot of money to write about recruiting like Ari or Ari Wasserman or somebody who should do a story about this. Uh, he's, I think just got married. So congrats to him. Mm-hmm. But uh, I assume he'll be texting me when he gets this list, like from his honeymoon or something. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, do, do the work, write an article. Uh, let's, let's find <laughs> about why does this happen? Let's, let's get to it. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Ari. So stop, stop lazing around. What are you doing? Um, so I, I think that's going to be a lot of the projection here is, is what can this young generation of coastal Carolina players do stepping into bigger roles? Somebody like Braden Bennett at running back is not younger, but he is still stepping into a starting role for the first time. Reese White is moving into the number two spot. Um, Sam Pinckney is is here from Georgia State, who I mentioned a minute ago. He's a great deep threat. Um, but wide receiver, other than that, is Barron. Uh, six receptions, two receptions, one reception, five receptions for the guys back from last season at wide receiver. Um, you have to wonder if they're a factor for Jordan Addison. <laughs> you have to wonder if, if they're going to be involved here for Jordan Addison. Um, God, that would be so cool. Could you imagine? Everybody does all of the hand wringing for two weeks about USC, and then he goes to fucking Coastal Carolina. 
We love that. We I absolutely have, love it. I want to play with the best quarterback in college football, Grayson McCall. <laughs> um, and then obviously tight end Isaiah likely you're not going to replace, but TJ Ivy I guess could be okay. Um, defensively it's it's a it's a mess. It's um, I DeJordan Strong is pretty good at cornerback, and other than that. Uh, it's hard to feel super confident about anything that they're doing in the secondary. Not for lack of talent, just for lack of having seen these guys play. And so it's going to be a lot of Grayson McCall going nuts. He did some of this last year, but it's going to be a lot of him going nuts and then a lot of how much can the young guys, the sophomore class, the underclassmen step up into those those starting roles for the first time it's a lot to do all at once. You don't want to do these all at once. You don't want like 20 new starters in one season. Um, but if the if there has ever been a time for Coastal Carolina to take a step as a program to establish itself, not just as a one-off, but as a, a thing that can be sustained, it is with this class of, um, of, of underclassmen. They are very good. I think that they can handle it. I think that there might be a step back this year just because of the sheer number of guys who have to step into bigger roles. But I I do believe in what Jamie Chadwell has built. I think that he's done a good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the biggest question is just like, does he stick around to see it through much longer? And I, I can't imagine that answer is yes, right? Like, it, it's it, this is a very real chance this last year, or mm-hmm. or very close to it, close to Carolina. And I mean, the question is just when's he get the next job and what's it going to be? But it, it's something's coming. You you'd think, but like, given the programs that have opened and passed on him, who hires him? It, it seems like there is legitimately a, a feeling, I think misguided, but a feeling that he is not shaped for the P5 because of his personality, because of his offense. And so I don't know who takes that chance on him, right? Which program, at least that would be opening soon, is like, yeah, we'll bring that guy up. I, I think like a West Virginia would. I don't think they're going to be opening this year. Georgia Tech probably would. Maybe. I guess that would that would be the natural transition, not back to the triple, but to something more like the triple. Um, you could bring somebody yeah. like like Paul Johnson back, not into the fold, yeah. but back into. the I mean, races. but you also have to wonder if like if Dave Clawson's success last season kind of opens the door for Chadwell too. No, I mean, I would hope. Like he, I, I, I the the ads who are anti Chadwell are dumb. I, I will say open. Like yeah, he's, sure. He's sure, much sure. better than a lot of the coaches who have been hired this cycle, um, and in in previous cycles, uh, specifically just just in the in his area. You think about some of the coaches who have been hired recently. Um, Brent Pry is the head coach at Virginia Tech. I unserious, very I, unserious coach. Like I'm gonna, I'll tell you right now. I think Jamie Chadwell would be better at that job than Brent Pry is. I don't even really dislike Brent Pry. It's just Jamie Chadwell's really good at coaching. He's really, really good at coaching. And, very good at it. And like I, I, I so I, I don't know. I don't know who gives him that job. I think Georgia Tech. You, you know might... what's interesting here? So, sorry to cut you no, off. Go but ahead. An interesting fit that it clearly does not care about uh, coach personality, both good and bad ways, and also has been willing to take a chance at some different kind of dudes in the past uh, couple of decades. Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever Dave Aranda inevitably leaves Baylor for the NFL or a top five job in college football, uh, that's a program that would not surprise me to take a long look at uh, Chadwell. Man, at some point we need to do an episode about Baylor and its 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 recent hiring. It's hard to talk about Baylor without talking about the bad stuff, but like, right? That is that is well, what... and also obviously my connections to some things that happened in Waco a couple decades ago uh-huh. are, are you know like still pretty it's prominent a, in college a, football media. And yeah, I try to steer away from those. It's a but... touchy it's a touchy subject. It's a touchy subject for you, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, those I mean, kids were armed. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's putting you on trial here. Not, not, uh, 
not anymore. You you got through that and you're into a different time in your life. Um, I, I beat the case. I ended the race. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that like, I think of Baylor and yes, we will talk about because making three really good like football wise hires in a row is insane at that level. Nobody does that. We talked about this a little while ago. That's really fucking hard to do to hit on three in a row in such a huge way. They had three straight coaches at Baylor win a conference title. That's nuts. Yeah, it's it's like the the list of places they've done are like it's Baylor, LSU, and Ohio State that have hit like three in a row. Yeah, and like Oregon did it, and and like yeah, I guess Oregon did yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean yeah, yeah, and we and like those are not that it, Baylor's a, I think a different level of program, but yes, um, I think Baylor would be somebody who would make sense. Um, something like I I, just, I had the thought as you were talking about schools that have been willing to hire outside of the box. Uh, Ole Miss is going to need a new coach pretty soon. And boy, that would that would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense if you don't want to get yourself back into the sort of hiring somebody who is in trouble all of the time thing, uh, which maybe they want to do. But like, I think Jamie Chadwell can play the game. I don't I don't have a great reason to think that. I just I think he will. Um, I think he's a guy who would make a lot of sense in this current era of football within the SEC. He would have that interesting offense. I think he would make a lot of sense for a program like. Uh, you know, an old Miss who might need to be replacing Lane Kiffin in the next couple of years, uh, and is has been or their to... or their neighbor also, but their neighbor is going to be replacing their coach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sir. I don't even know if I'd give him a couple years. I think within within maybe <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, and so I, I think that maybe it'll if... happen. He'll, he'll he'll get his job. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. I don't know if it happens this year. I do think that they're probably in for a little bit of a step back. Um, but I think that just this this team currently is still going to be a force to be reckoned with offensively because of McCall. He is so good. I really can't overstate how good he is. Um, and so I think that this is probably still a 9-3 and or 10-2 and team. I have them below Appalachian State within the East and above Georgia State just because of the the pedigree, the recent success, but I could I could totally see Georgia State jumping them. I could also see Grayson McCall being so good that nobody can beat them just because he is easily the best quarterback in the in the league and that's still that's that's tremendously valuable in any conference, but especially one that, that throws as much as this one does. Hell yeah. Um Louisiana. Yep. Uh this is a program that is been tremendous successful has a lot of talent around it but how much of that to you was billy napier and how much of it is just like the remaining talent that's still inside that program so it's napier i will give i will give full credit for bringing the talent here he was a very very good talent acquisition coach um this is a a supremely talented program from top to bottom probably the most in the in the league um but as for actual coaching stuff, I don't, maybe I'm I'm interested in what you think about this from watching them play and from talking about Florida. Is does Billy Napier jump off the screen to you as like a great schematic coach, as like a great developer of talent? Because he he doesn't really to me. It seems fine, but I, I think of him more as sort of a, a program building guy than I do as like an actual in game coach. Yeah, he's all right. I mean, like I don't think he does anything special. I think, like you said, he like a lot of the positions he got talent at are, are kind of like some of the more ready-made positions in college football, right? Whereas like yeah. kind of guys you can get from high school who are just really good and yeah, ready to play and are a, good again right away. They had a lot of really good um, running backs and wide receivers, right? Yeah, sure. And some corners too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be better. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be better at Florida than, than Mullen was, but he's going to be interesting. I'm curious to watch him at Florida. He seems to just be, 
his strategy, as far as I can tell, is just hire every coach of, he could possibly can. He has like 50 sports <laughs> staff guys. There's a, I follow a Florida writer who's just like posting weekly updates on how many coaches he's hired. It's just like Florida fans are like counting how many coaches he has and they're getting excited about that. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know. Uh, see, that, <laughs> I really that, can't understand why they're so pumped about that. See, but... that's, that's interesting. I follow a Florida writer who his followers are counting how many times he has gone golfing in one year and they're celebrating it. They're really excited about it. So that's, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I follow a couple of Florida writers who are uh, counting uh, uh, how many years uh, backwards from current one is 18 uh, on people's IDs uh, <laughs> and then their DMs. I won't go any further than that. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Blowing up their spot. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, takes over for Levi Lewis, a quarterback <laughs> here in Louisiana. Um, Man, so we've got a couple names here. One of which I think you will you will be aware of, because uh, he was a pretty big name recruit. But I'm gonna guess that Chandler Fields is the guy. Um, he was the primary backup last year. He probably has the best understanding of the system. Um, do you remember Lance? I, I don't want to say his name wrong. Lance Legendre, Lance Legender, who was the he, he was, oh, I sure do. Yeah, he, he was on uh, QB one. Yeah, he was yeah. on he was on QB one. He was at Maryland. Um, I, I can't remember where he committed to coming out of high school. He was a Louisiana guy. Um, he was fucking horrible last year. Yeah, he, he was. He he managed. He completed twelve of his fifteen passes, but he did throw two interceptions of those three incompletions, which is I I would say pretty hard to do. Um, he is being talked about as the pretty obvious number three quarterback here. He has some developing to do. He is here. Tough. Um, Ben Woolridge is the other guy. I'm going to guess that Chandler Fields gets the starting job. He's a pretty severe step back from Levi Lewis, but I think he can manage the offense. Um, and the offense should be pretty good to be managed. Chris Smith is back, the top running back. Um, Here's an idea I just thought of really quick. What if we let high school players reclassify, but only if they went to G5 programs? Like, what if Arch Manning could play college ball right now, but he had to play for Louisiana this year? Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm in. I, I, uh, yeah, I think that would be good. Um, Full, full support for that. Um, Man. That 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 could we could then tie that into Jordan Addison too, which is that if he had gone after his freshman season, transferred to Coastal Carolina, you can leave a year early. You can go after your sophomore. Okay. So okay. they he he has to. Yeah, go. we like we have an official committee that ranks each program and how pathetic they are. And the more pathetic <laughs> of a program you play for, like the earlier you're allowed to go to college. Uh, or go to the pros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got Kansas assigning a guy who's 14 and who can go to the pros when he's 16. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, this would be sick, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Causing um, severe damage to these teens. <laughs> man, oh, man. I, I guess like in general, I don't know, Louisiana, what's the outlook this year? Like whether it's the quarterback or not, like what are, what are you expecting from them? Uh, under the new regime like what's reasonable for this program well i i think that they're still the west favorite pretty pretty solidly partially because of the teams in the west and partially because um i I wrote as much in my newsletter uh billy napier played a ton of guys last year they had like 50 guys with at least 100 snaps they they really got a lot of people involved and i think he kind of did it as a favor to the next coaching staff i think he knew he was going to leave and so and that they were going to lose a lot of these guys. And so they played a ton of dudes. And so they have, like, Peter LeBlanc is back at wide receiver. They le- they lose Kyron Lacey to LSU. They lose Imani Bailey to TCU and Montreal, Montreal Johnson to Florida. But 
they have a bunch of pieces who played a lot last year. Michael Jefferson at wide receiver, Errol, Errol Rogers Jr. at wide receiver, Dante Fleming at wide receiver. All these guys played a lot last year. And so you're losing a couple of the big-name guys. Offensive line's got four starters to replace. That's that's probably the trickiest part of the offense. Defense has some guys departing, Lorenzo McCaskill and Farad Gardner were the starting linebackers. I don't think I would say that the linebackers were really the strength here last year, and then Makai Williams-Gardner is going to LSU. But for the most part, there's still experience here even with guys departing. Andre Jones played a ton at defensive end. A.J. Riley played plenty at defensive end. Zion Hill is back at defensive tackle. There's There's... For a team replacing its head coach, replacing a lot of its staff, there's really not as much serious attrition here as you would expect. And so I think that if the quarterback is okay, if he's a decent game manager, they're still the pretty easy favorite in the West, and I, I certainly wouldn't pick against them to to win that league. Um, granted, South Alabama or Troy just has to get lucky for one day, but um, I think that to pick against Louisiana at this point, I don't see a great reason to do it other than worries about the quarterback. I think they're going to be just fine. They have, they still have more talent than pretty much anybody they play. I like this coaching staff. I don't have a great reason to dislike them at this point. Um, I, I think that they might benefit even a little bit from being less conservative. I think Napier was pretty conservative last year in times that he really didn't need to be. And so I, I think they could have a pretty similar season to the one that they had last year. The talent, top end talent may be a little bit worse, but they are still very good. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I guess that brings us down to our, our usual perennial contender or favorite here in this in this conference, uh, one of the best programs in all college football. Um, tell me a bit about App State and what keeps them from – I guess what could keep them from going 12-0 this year so, or at least undefeated in the Sun Belt? Yeah, so the the big issue here, there are there – are... Well, what's their non-con? Also, who do they play at at conference? Um, that's you the know? issue. They're not going to go undefeated because I believe they have a pretty – they have a pretty tough non-con. Let me pull it up. Um, yeah, they have – oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys. They have North Carolina to open the season at home. They're going to win that game. I, I, They'll win that game, yeah. Um, they do, unfortunately, go to Texas A&M in week two. Um, that's one hell of a way to start the season. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's a tough game, but not necessarily uh, not necessarily a guaranteed loss. Could, Jimbo Fisher, could, uh, they'll probably lose that game. But. Could you imagine if if Appalachian, after the off season we just had, App State goes into to Kyle Field and beats Texas A and M in week two? <laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately, I mean, the way A and M recruited is just the way you beat G five teams. Just like they're gonna just yeah. send their twelve five star D lineman after them the entire time, and that'll be that. Yeah, uh, but man, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it'd be funny. It it would certainly be funny. It would make me laugh. And then they have Citadel and uh, Robert Morris. So I think they're probably gonna go three and one out of conference. And so I I think eleven and one is probably realistic. the The big concern here is at wide receiver, and then on patches of the defense, largely in the secondary. Um, they lose all four of their wide receivers. Uh, Thomas Hennigan, Corey Sutton, Malik Williams, and Jalen Virgil are all gone. Um, Jalen Virgil, of course, has started a new politics podcast that we're all very excited about. Uh, but mm-hmm. Thomas Hennigan, Corey Sutton, and Malik Williams are all off to the professional ranks. Uh, all of them were very good. They all had more than 50 receptions last season. Um, I don't know how you replace those guys. I think Christian Wells is going to be pretty good. There are no other receivers on this team who I have any opinions on because none of them have played. Um, and so I, Chase Bryce set school records last year as a passer. I don't know how much of that was him and how much of that was the receivers. I, it's We're going to find out, I guess. But that's that's the it question. It is pretty funny. I, I will give it to Chase Bryce. He is one of the few players anyone in the right arm college did owe me last season. 
I did say on our podcast, I've never seen him play a good game in his career, but right before he threw for like 300 yards and five touchdowns and their biggest one of the season. Yeah. Uh, that was nice of him. So <laughs> nice of him I will give that. him, I will tip my, my cap. Uh, also, he has a hot sister who's on, Insta, who's on TikTok pretty big. Okay. Uh, so that's good. Big ups to him on the hot sister. Uh, <laughs> Always a good sign for a quarterback, as we know. Yep. That's uh, one of the one things you definitely want to have as a yeah, quarterback. Yeah, as a quarterback. Is, um, yes, that. Um, but the rest of the offense is good. Uh, they they bring back all of their running backs. Cameron Peoples, Nate Noel, Daytrick uh, uh, Harrington, all of them are good. They always have good running backs, but these ones are especially good. Uh, whole line offense, uh, whole offensive line except for Bear Hunter are back. Uh, it's a good line. It's it's a good thing to do is to bring back all of those guys from an App State line. Um, defensively, Nick Hampton is back at defensive end. Jalen McLeod looks pretty good opposite him. Um, K- Kishon Brown at uh, uh, I'm reading the wrong name. Jordan Earl at defensive tackle I think looks pretty good. Um, they have stars defensively. The depth is a little bit more of a question than it is offensively, and that's that's really what it comes down to if you're looking for, you know, things to to pick here. Um, the the stars here are better than at any other program within the within the league this year. They have more top end guys than anyone else. Stephen Jones at cornerback, uh, Chase Bryce, like I said, those running backs. A lot of the a lot of the offensive line, um, Nick Hampton, all of those guys, very very good. It's just going to be finding new receivers and finding depth pieces on the defense. If they miss on both, then the the window is open for somebody else to jump up. But if they find receivers or if they find depth pieces on defense, I think they're going to be just fine and they're going to be really really hard to beat for everybody else in this league. Patrick, any kind of final thoughts on App State or just the Sun Belt in general before we wrap up our preview? Um, not not on App State. I think on the Sun Belt in general, I, I'm I'm excited for this season. It, last year sort of felt like a letdown. It seemed like there was supposed to be a step up in quality that we didn't quite get because a, a fourth team didn't emerge and Coastal kind of took a step back. Uh, and Louisiana was, I would say, despite its record, a little bit disappointing because they just weren't very dominant. Um, I think that we're going to get that step this year. I think that, that, that last year's was sort of setting the table for this. A couple teams that that were at the top are going to take a little bit of a step back, but the depth within this league is so much better now that they have added these teams from the CUSA. Um, you know, you we just in our tier list, there are five teams here who I I don't really love in this league. It's the tier five and tier four teams. Tier three has two teams. Tier That's two, weird. I thought you would have liked those more than the other teams. Yeah, but t- tier three has two. <laughs> Tier 2 has three. Tier 1 has four teams, right? So we, we, we've got nine teams in this league that I think if James Madison could go to a bowl would be in bowl games. Um, that's quite a bit better than it has been in years past. The depth has, has been an issue here before. I don't think it's going to be this year. And so I, I think that Sunbelt might not produce the top-end team that it has had in years past. It might not have the Coastal of 2020, the, the App State of 2019, teams like that. But the the depth of play... Weekend we got you turn the TV on. You got a Thursday night game in the in the in the uh, in the Sun Belt. I think it's gonna be really good. I'm that's what I'm most excited about. I think this is a really good product with a lot of really good teams and players. I'm I'm very excited for for Sun Belt football this year. Oh yeah, man! Uh, roll Sun Belt as always. Let's go SBC. Um, and as always, go Bucks. Yeah, um, I'll do the outro real quick because I I do want to I, I do want to advise. Oh people. yeah, you're fine. I I have yeah. been watching a playoff hockey game for the last like about forty five minutes. Of this podcast, I am. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> not a peak capacity. <laughs> How is who's who's winning? What's who's playing? I don't uh, even know what's the, going on. The Pens and Rangers are tied up three three with under two minutes to go in the third period right now. Oh, and I am. We are not supposed to win this game as a Penguins fan, so uh, yeah. it would be pretty cool if we did. Okay, uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm very excited for you. So, Altro, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Field Flipping. Ryan is at B1G underscore Ryan. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Um, my writing is at the Outside Zone newsletter on Substack, five times or five dollars a month for uh, three times a week. Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm also not at full capacity, but that's because I've talked about the yeah. Sun Belt for two hours. <laughs> and don't forget, if you're one of our listeners, you are in federal underscore prison. Uh-huh. Uh, that's right. So coming soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's federal spelled with a three. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you want, it's a to... lawyer. It's a lawyer account. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an account to me like okay another freaking hell stay in, in uh-huh. prison today what the hell yeah we're gonna start tweeting out uh images of all of our followers with uh like just in the four four pictures per tweet series and a thread that just says you did this with the link to our to our article or to our uh our episodes uh we're gonna do yeah. that for every episode from now on we're gonna we're gonna make a gritty in the uh flipping the field colors uh-huh. Well, I, what do you mean we were going to? I have made that. That's the logo of the show. Do you not look at the logo of the show? <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's doing the thing where he's, he's talking about people finding out, and we're excited to learn what that means here at some point. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can follow the show. Uh, we will uh, next week, I promise, I've, I've said this before, but next week we will answer the strength and conditioning question that we got a little while ago about Texas And we, we got a, a beauty of one this week, too, oh, for a yes. listener that will yes. also be included on the I, podcast. I was, I was clued into this uh, earlier today. We got a monster question that we just love. Um, if you guys have questions that you want us to answer on the show, uh, you even just have, maybe you don't want to even phrase it in a question. You're maybe working on the Ohio state beat and you just want to say, talk about, uh, you can even do that. Just slide into our, (laughs) slide into our DMS at field flipping. Um, let us know what your question is, what you want us to talk about. We will be happy to work it into the flow of the show. I I said a couple weeks ago, we're not really going to do Q and a stuff super often, but, um, we're going to just sort of do it as we go. If you have a question, if we see the question, we're going to include it in some way in the show. Um, I think it's just eventually. Yeah. yeah eventually. <laughs> I promise we've, we've had a couple weeks here where it just, we couldn't really get it in, but we will. Um, we've got a couple for next week. And, and if you have one that you'd like to add, just, just feel free to add us or send us a DM. Um, uh, it also helps if you want to share the show, um, that that's the best way for us to grow. If you want to send it to a friend, if you want to tweet it out, retweet it, whatever it might be, we appreciate all of it. And then if you have the time, leave a review on iTunes. I don't know what that does, but it, it seems like it's good. So, um, if you, if Algorithm. you yeah, if, yeah. You, if you'd like to leave a review, help us uh, juice the numbers, I guess. Um, and we will, uh, we will be back next week, hopefully on the, uh, on the same schedule. I apologize for, for missing last week. Ryan was, as we, as we explained, being extradited. And so it was a little bit difficult to get him. We on hold on. We don't apologize. We absolutely do not apologize for anything we're doing. Yeah, actually. I, yeah, I take that back. We don't apologize. Uh, we didn't do anything wrong. You all should have gotten him here quicker. That's not our fault. <laughs> they will never find my next compound. I'll tell you that first one. What you say what they want. Yeah. Second compound's the charm. Yeah. People always say that. This, that's, that's the people love to say. You know, they say the first compound is about learning. The second one, that's the one that that's uh, you know, that's the forever. And, that's my forever. And compound. also, people are also saying the first cut is the deepest. Yep, yep, they're always saying that. Um, Ryan, I will, uh, <laughs> I will talk to you next week. <laughs> All right. Bye, Pat. <laughs>